RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to Red Pill 78. As always, my name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and this is another edition of Red Pill News for Friday Night Livestream. Joining me in the studio tonight, returning guest to the program, my good friend, Uranium One whistleblower and current America first congressional candidate for West Virginia, Nate Kane. Quite the auspicious time to have Nate back on the show. You know, you take a look at Washington, D.C., and uh, despite how obvious the hypocrisy, the lies, the criminality, I don't think any of us are surprised. I think that these people are on display in ways they never have been before. And as much as it pains people, I think it's a good thing because it shows Americans what voting for more of the same is going to give you. Do you want nepotism? Do you want family dynasties in Washington, D.C.? Do you want your taxpayer dollars to be siphoned off to foreign countries? Do you want your children to be propagandized and brainwashed? If so, you know what to do. But if you want to see something different, if you want leadership in Washington, D.C., we need to send someone like Nate Kane. Sit back, relax, grab your popcorn. We'll be right back after this. Now, according to reports, a new cyber attack occurs every 39 seconds. And many of these attacks are on financial institutions like banks because cyber criminals have realized that's where the most valuable data is. And this is why I highly recommend Virtual Shield 1 to put your security in your hands. Virtual Shield 1 is an advanced identity protection suite that includes Virtual Shield's military grade VPN with a strict no log policy, $1 million in insurance, social security protection, dark web monitoring, and more. Virtual Shield now offers delete me capabilities to locate and help hide your information from search results and people's search websites. You can sign up today to get a 60 day risk free trial of Virtual Shield 1, along with several free bonuses included completely free. Just simply go to the special website in the description of this video, virtualshield.com forward slash redpill78. Once again, that's virtualshield.com forward slash redpill78. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. If you are just arriving, my guest tonight is the one and only Uranium One whistleblower and current congressional candidate for West Virginia, my good friend, Nate Kane. Nate, how are you tonight, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great, man. It's good to be back on here with you, man. It's been too long. Absolutely. You're getting, you're getting too you're, you're getting too famous. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> hey, man, I'll tell you, I remember the days back when we first met, man. That was uh those were were humbling times back then. But uh, absolutely. Yeah. Man, no, I, I uh, it's 
good to be back on here. I never, never in my wildest dreams would have thought that, you know, this would be the future we'd be living in. Like at that time, I I, like I remember the first time I covered a story about you and I was like, yes, this guy is awesome. We need more people like him. This is going to set something uh, ablaze in Washington, D.C. People are going to realize that they can't just keep doing the same old thing. But Unfortunately, Nate, uh, I mean, that that didn't happen. We've got a couple of brave people like you, but it seems like most of the, uh, I don't know, the establishment bureaucrats in Washington, no matter what federal agency they're in, if they're in Congress, if they're in uh, in the Senate, they're comfortable doing more of the same. And it's baffling to me, and I think it's baffling to a lot of people, because you look around you and it's quite obvious America is a blaze like the country is literally teetering at the precipice. And I don't think it's going to take very much to push us fully over the edge. And at that point, I don't know what happens. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you, you know, when you see a city that's like burning, right? You know, we saw oh, yeah. a lot of that, you know, over the years, over the last uh, you know few administrations. Um, but when you see, you know, like a, a major riot, a major burning down of a city, one of the things that you'll notice is that you'll see people uh, looting stores, going in, grabbing, snatch and grab everything they can because they see the whole dang thing going down. They see it burning down. And I feel like there's a lot of people in Congress, you know, quite frankly, that are that way. A lot of people in government, um, you know, in in positions of power, I think that see the writing is on the wall. And so they're going to just try to bilk every single, you know, dollar out of the taxpayers that they can uh, so that they can, you know, maybe set themselves up for some, you know, cushy life. And it disgusts me. Uh, it's something that, you know, I these a lot of these people I really don't believe have moral uh, have a moral code. Uh, I don't believe that they have any fear of God. And I think that's why they're willing to do that. You know, I think obviously all of us are sinners. We're all, you know, capable of of uh, you know becoming corrupted and capable of greed and, and those types of things. But you know what. What keeps me from that is honestly the knowledge that someday I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account you know, for my life. And I really do truly fear God. And I think I think that's the missing element, quite frankly, with a lot of uh, politicians. I, I think you're right. And, and it's unfortunate. But, you know, there's always time to change. Uh, hopefully somebody in Washington with uh, some level of authority will see the writing on the wall be- before it's too late, you know. I'm kind of torn because, uh, you know, at the same time that I don't want to see America fall, I I don't want this to be a a failed nation state like so many that have come before us. Um, But but I also feel like the only way we're ever going to get real change is by tearing down that broken apparatus that currently makes up the United States government. And, And then once that happens, you know, we can move on into something else, build something better from the foundation as it were, uh, in in the in the vein of what our founders intended. Yeah, without a doubt, um, you know, that the founders, they had, you know, they built these principles into the Constitution and the Constitution, uh, it really is a special document. I mean, it's it's obviously not the Bible, but the thing about it that to me is unique is that the men that wrote it clearly were influenced by the Bible. They were influenced, you know, by that that knowledge and belief uh, in what they called natural law and what, uh, you know, but what we would call today, you know, the belief that there is a creator, you know, and a natural order to things that God created in the universe. And so when they built, you know, when they created and, and wrote the uh, Constitution and had those principles in mind, 
And, uh, you know, even George Washington at the very beginning, you know, when I think when he said uh, in his farewell address, he said that the American form of government, you know, our our uh, Republican form of government, uh, that it had a requirement for religion and morality for in order in order for it to work. So when you look around today, uh, you see the exact opposite. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, it's almost like Sodom and Gomorrah out there now. You know, they're going after, you know, kids, uh, you know, trying to sexualize them. You know, they have the, uh, you know, this, they're trying to normalize pedophilia. I mean, this is like stuff I never thought I would ever see in my lifetime. And so, you know, it's clear that there has been a complete departure, you know, from, uh, you know, from godliness within government and any kind of dependency, you know, on, on uh, providence or, or anything like that. So, you know, it's, it's everybody, I think it's every man for themselves in many cases. And that's, that's not sustainable in our form of government. It will fail. And so I'm hoping and uh, and praying that we can right the ship. But uh, believe me, you know, when, when I say this, I do truly mean this, uh, that we're not going to save this country without God's help. It's almost as if right now what we're seeing is, you know, God has basically taken his hand of blessing off our country. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, OK, you guys want to see what life is like without me? Here it is. And what we are seeing right now is, you know, the demons are basically in charge, you know, running around, uh, you know, with their masks off in plain view. And uh, so, you know, that, that's, that's kind of where I, I stand on these issues. I mean, it's basically the spiritual equivalent of F around and find out. And we're, we're finding out yeah, right you, now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you know, that's a very, very good example. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah, you are absolutely right. <clears throat> Um, So I just need to say uh, thank you very much to everybody for hanging out with us tonight. We're speaking with Nate Kane. Nate is uh, obviously a uh, storied whistleblower, uh, came forward with revelations about the crimes of uh, the Clinton Foundation uh, having to do with Uranium One and others inside the United States government while he was a contractor at the FBI. Uh, And here we stand today. He's running for Congress in West Virginia's 2nd District. Uh, Nate, if anybody out there is a West Virginian, um, you know, tell me, what have you learned since the last time we were on the show? I mean, uh, obviously, I'm sure you've been out there pressing the flesh and getting to meet people. Oh, yeah. So so my wife is my my campaign manager. Um, she she's doing a great job. She got me out to 18 counties just last month uh, to speak. And uh, and I'm on target, you know, to basically do the same number this month. Um, we put over, you know, it's uh, 16,000 miles on our car because I had to change the oil twice. Wow. I thought something was wrong with my car. We just bought this car and, and, you know, and I, I got, I got the notice. And so I said, okay, well maybe, you know, I had a you know a few miles on it. So I said, well, maybe it, they didn't change the oil at the dealership. So we changed the oil. And then like a month later, it pops up again. And I told my wife, I said, take this car to the dealership. Something's broke. You know, you need to tell them something's broke with their system. So she did, she took it down there and the guy laughed and said, uh, man, you drove 18 or you drove another 8,000 miles. So you got to change the oil. And so, and then it just came on again recently. So it's like, you know, it's insane, but you know, this is, that's the challenge of, of this race. Um, Unlike, you know, if I was a, uh, an elected official in say, you know, Philadelphia or, you know, Baltimore or something like that, um, I would have a much smaller landscape area, you know, to reach, uh, you know, the number of, of voters. And, you know that apportionment is set at, but because West Virginia is very rural, and and by the way, there's no way to get anywhere in West Virginia by a straight road. You know, it's it's nothing but windy roads through the Appalachian Mountains, and you got to drive, you know, long distances just to go around things to get there. So, 
um, you know, I'm not complaining. It, it's a beautiful country. It's why I moved there. I wanted to live somewhere that was rural, uh, somewhere where the people have the same values that I have, uh, where the people, you know, love God, love country, uh, believe in freedom, don't want the government telling them what to do. These are my people, you know, for my whole life, I feel like I've been searching, you know, for a place to call home. And I finally have found it. Uh, we moved to West Virginia three years ago, you know, and I've spent most of my life moving around because of military service and and then working as a, um, you know, as a Navy civilian and then a Marine civilian. So we've lived in other countries. We've lived in other states. And uh, by far, this is the, the place, you know, the first place I've ever lived where I've experienced more freedom than I have anywhere else. And it's it's been a wonderful thing. So I wish I would have raised my kids here, to be honest. Well, you know, uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So the best thing you can do is hope to raise your grandchildren there at this point, I guess. <laughs> yes. Speaking of which, speaking of which, my I am now a grandfather. Oh, congratulations! Um, yes, this just uh, t- just a couple days ago, my uh, my first grandchild was born. Amazing. And um, and it was awesome because it was very special because he was born on the same birthday as West Virginia. Oh, very cool. <laughs> yes. So I told my son, I said, you know, we're not going to be singing happy birthday on his birthday. We're going to be singing, you know, country roads, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> What's his name? Can you tell us? It's it's Luca. Luca. Yeah. OK. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Well, congratulations to you and the entire family. That's so cool. Thank you. Uh, if uh, if you are uh, joining us over there on the foxhole, I would sincerely appreciate it if you hit that red pill. If you're over on Rumble, please hit that like button. Uh, any association you can help us make with this being an awesome show would sincerely appreciate it. It'll definitely help us out. And uh, we want to get the, the word out for Nate and his campaign to as many people as possible. So, Nate. Uh, obviously, your your constituents, your, the voters are very important, but uh, the relationships that you make within the political world are just as important, if maybe not even more important, because quite often they're the ones who end up deciding whether or not you're allowed to win. Um, I, uh, I, I know that. Well, you know exactly what I mean. I mean, I know what you're talking about. You know, unfortunately, uh, we yeah. we have this uh, really convoluted system. I think it's a, a system that many of my viewers believe has to change. Um, politics is, seems to be quite often run by money, yeah. m- and money makes the world go round, as they say. I don't know if you had a chance to check out the latest uh, release from James O'Keefe and O'Keefe Media Group, um, but a, uh, a, a high-level executive at BlackRock was caught on camera talking about how easy it is to buy congressmen and to buy senators. Apparently, yeah. it's only $10,000 to buy a senator, but for somebody like you, it would have to be around half a million dollars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? I have a price. <laughs> no, no, not you specifically, but just if, if, if somebody in the House of Representatives, apparently oh. those seats are worth a lot more. I, I don't know why. Sure, um, sure. But, uh, you, you know, so I don't know. Any thoughts on uh, on, on the situation well, there and, and how easy it is to, you know, engage in corruption? You know, it, it's really it is interesting. Um, and, and let me just start by saying that uh, I won't be bought, period. Um, you know, if that was the case, there's no way I would have ever, ever blown the whistle. I mean, I, I walked away, you know, from a six figure job that was higher than anything I'd ever made in my life. Uh, to blow the whistle and basically put my life at risk and my family and, you know, and everything. And we went through hell. And if I had to do it over again, I would still do it again. And so, you know, that I think uh, it speaks volumes 
systems. I know when I'm out there talking to people and they hear that story, I know that they they do not see me as a typical politician and I am not. Good. You know, I may be able to, you know, dress up and, and put on the suit and tie, you know, and, and all of that. But at the end of the day, um, you know, my my priorities are first and foremost, my first priority is to God. Second, you know, is to uh, you know, is to my country and and to the constitution. Honestly, um, you know, even even before my family, which I love dearly, but you know, at the end of the day, if I can't, you know, if I can't turn over a country to my children and my grandchildren that is worth living in, uh, then you know, then I feel like I will have failed them. And so, you know, when I'm when I'm out there though, I'm seeing this corrupt system of, of politics out there. Um, I've had multiple um, advisors, you know, try to pitch me, you know, hey, you know, you should hire me as your advisor and blah 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 and. Uh, you know, you know, the advisor I'm using your wife, God, my wife, my wife, she is, I'm going to tell you, she is a tough cookie. I mean, to, to live with me and put up with my, you know, shenanigans of being a whistleblower and, and all of that, you know, she's a woman of integrity and a woman that is uh, not going to put up with, you know, with, uh, you know, any kind of anything less than what she expects of me. And mm -hmm. we had a, we had an event uh, out in, um, it was in Randolph County in Elkins, and I had just gotten over COVID, and I was so just not feeling good. You know, it's like when you get over it, and you still feel like you haven't gotten enough sleep, and if you if you don't sleep, you're going to end up having a relapse. I kind of felt like that, mm -hmm. and so I told her, I said, "Hey, I need you to call and cancel, you know, our appointment in um, in Randolph County." And she looks at me and she goes, "No," and I said, "Excuse me, what?" What are you talking? I'm not feeling good. I feel sick. I need you to cancel. And she goes, no, I'm not canceling. She says, you already rescheduled once on them. These people need to hear from you and you're going to go. And I go, well, I'm tired. I need sleep. She goes, you can sleep on the way there and on the way back. I'm driving. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but that's, he's the only person that can get away with that with me. You know, everybody else, I would have, I would have, you know, demanded my, you know, my, uh, uh, what I want. <laughs> so she's a great having, uh, running my campaign. She's getting me out there and, and getting me out there to talk to people. And I think it matters when people see that my wife is supportive of this. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I don't think I've seen a single other candidate with their wife there you know, for all their meetings. And my well, wife said every single one. You know, unfortunately, oftentimes it looks like marriages are not out of love or out of commitment, but out of uh I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's a, it's a ruse too often, you know, I mean, or, or political. Yes. In this political world, it's definitely there is that you see that. Like, yeah. You know, and then you see people who marriage into a strategic event. Yeah. Yes. And then people go to Washington and their marriages collapse, uh, you know, for any number of reasons. It's really unfortunate. Um, what, well, so we, we survived. We survived a year separation from each other while I was in the United States Army. And uh, when I, I was deployed to Korea for a year so. You know, if we could get through that, I'm sure. And then uh, also dealing with, you know, COVID and and uh, or not COVID, um, the uh, whistleblowing stuff. And then also just, you know, having, um, you know, I think having gone through those types of, you know, high stress and environments, it just kind of pushes you. You know, those things break marriages or they push you closer together. And we're definitely, you know, the type that it's pushed us closer together. I think both of us are somewhat rebellious. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know. We, we just kind of rebel against the idea of divorce. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I don't have any doubt in you guys and, and your longevity, your ability to to maintain 
Um, so h- how about the relationships that you've made with uh, people in the political world? Uh, have you been able to secure any uh, endorsements for your candidacy? You know, we we just got an endorsement um, and, and we've had a couple of endorsements from just like, you know, personal, you know, personal people that I know. Um, you know, there's a, a few whistleblowers that have endorsed me and and we're fixing our our website to you know, put their names up there. And uh, Pedro Orta, um, who's a, a CIA whistleblower, um, who I met, you know, early on after I blew the whistle, he blew the whistle and reached out to me and um, great guy, uh, strong Christian guy. And, um, and I, I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of other folks out there, you know, individually, but we got a really uh, unique endorsement um, for two reasons to me that it's kind of special. One, I didn't ask for it. And uh, a lot, oftentimes, you know, people ask for endorsements because, you know, it's a, it's a political strategy to, mm-hmm. you know, get name recognition and that, and that sort of thing. But in, in my case, um, uh, uh, there, there was a, uh, there's a lady running for Congress in, um, and I want to give her credit, uh, Carolyn Avery is running for Congress in Philadelphia. And uh, she, you know, has been very supportive of me and, you know, reached out and said, you know, Nate, you know, I want to help you get elected. You know, you need to get like we need people like you and, and so she invited me on one of her uh, Twitter spaces that she was on and uh and people can find her on Twitter at uh, Carolyn for Congress but she brought me on uh her Twitter spaces and it had uh, this group of truckers that were on there and she said you know you need to come meet these guys they need to meet you and uh so I I ended up going on the show and we had a great time talking about freedom and talking about the constitution and it was a bunch of truckers that were on the show and so I got invited on again onto another show that was being led by uh, by this guy, Texas Trucker. And when I got on there, um, you know, there was like maybe 60 people or so. Um, but what I didn't realize and I had you know talked with them, had a great conversation. They were talking strictly about, you know, kind of issues related to um, independent owner operator uh, truck drivers. And uh and, you know, and they they have their own issues that they're dealing with, you know, and and, and it's kind of the same, you know, kind of crap that, you know, pretty much every, um, you know, every small business owner, you know, deals with. But they also have all of these regulatory requirements that are, you know, really hurting their industry and really driving, uh, you know, people out of the business. And uh, and so we had some really great conversations about that. And then afterwards, I asked if I could, you know, talk with some of them. And I had a couple of them call me and we talked for, you know, an hour or two and and brainstormed on some ideas on how to fix these things, or at least to, to help advocate, you know, for them in Congress. And, uh, and then uh, last night I got a message saying, Hey, would you, you know, join on their group? So I got on the group and while I was there, I, that was when I found out that the group is actually the, uh, the national uh, owner operators association for the truck drivers. And they endorsed me uh, online that night and then on their you know webpage the next day. Very cool. And, uh, and and they're about 35,000 strong all across the country. And they have a you know number of people in uh, West Virginia. And so to me, the re- reason I find that special is because, you know, celebrity endorsements are one thing, but these are real people, salt of the earth people that, you know, are, are an example of the type of constituent concerns that matter and the things that, you know, that I have to be, you know, aware of. And uh, so we had some great, you know, conversations afterwards. I mentioned to him, I said, hey, you know, I'd like to do a ride along. You know, it has to be a short trip, but I'd like to do a ride along just to find out what is life like for a truck driver? What are the things? Because there's so much involved in it. 
and and they have this problem you know there's all kinds of ways that they're getting screwed uh including um you know uh corrupt practices that happen you know between you know some of the brokers and uh and and them double brokering and things like that and there's a whole lot of other you know kind of uh scams that go on that that hurt these guys you know in their bottom line including sometimes they go do a run a load and then they don't even get paid and i know all about that because uh you know my company went through something this year where you know, we have an outstanding bill for $86,000 that we still haven't been paid on. Mm. And, uh, and I had to eat that. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't care um, what anybody says, you know, writing something like that off does not even come close to the money that you lose because it's, I had to go take out a loan and things like that to pay my guys, you know, that contracted with me. So these kinds of issues are, are issues that affect the American people on a day-to-day basis. And when I'm going out there, you know, when I first started campaigning, I had three major issues that were the top three pillars of my, you know, campaign. And they still are. Uh, the first one being the Constitution. You know, we have to get back to the Constitution. We have to protect those rights that we have under the Constitution. These are God-given rights, not given to us by the government. But the government's you know, as uh, John, Thomas Jefferson so eloquently stated, governments are formed to secure those rights. And right now, what we are seeing is that the government, our government, is actually the ones violating those rights, mm-hmm. whether it is violating our First Amendment uh, by not allowing us to assemble and to make our grievances known before our government. You know, and I'm referring to January 6th and uh, and then also even after, uh, you know, when uh, Biden took over and he put up fencing around all of the the federal buildings with you know razor wire and armed guards with those you know those really scary assault rifles that all of these guys were <laughs> and you know but then um you know it's also about censoring our speech uh you know story which was true mm-hmm. uh, it's also um you know uh interfering with free speech by having accounts shut down and things like that and so we're not playing on a level playing field here and they they seem to be targeting you know primarily one party over the other as well but the other thing too it's also for second amendment rights look this uh this stupid stuff that you know just came down from the ATF you know that basically says if i have a piece of velcro mm-hmm. you know on my on my uh you know carbine then you know then that you know that pistol uh uh, uh stabilization strap that now makes you know my gun that i purchased illegal mm-hmm. you know I mean, how how the hell these people are not legislators how do they get to decide you know and then when you hear you know uh, our our you know our dear leader uh and he talks about and i call him that because he reminds me of you know communists and uh you know in north korea he yep. wants to be a dictator except he's a he's a wannabe dear leader <laughs> uh, this guy you know comes out and he says you know, he talks about, you know, nine mil, you know, uh, uh, being able to blow out your lungs, you know, and then he talks about, you know, oh, if you if you have the pistol brace on your gun, you know, uh, it can change the, you know, change the caliber of your weapon. Are you kidding me? What? What the <laughs> hell is he talking about? I mean, it's, you know, it, it's he's a clearly a mentally, uh, you know, deficient man. He should not even be in there. Uh, but then. You also have the 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 Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, uh, due process. You know, you got all these guys sitting in jail for over you know two and a half years, uh, not being given bail, which is guaranteed to us in the you know in the uh, Constitution. They're not getting a speedy trial, which is guaranteed to us in the Constitution. Uh, they're not getting um, 
you know, a trial by their peers, you know, because no one gets a, a, a fair trial in D.C. And so you have all these ways that the government is violating, uh, you know, our, our due process rights. You've got Fourth Amendment rights being violated because the government is spying on us. Um, a court just released information about 250,000 FISA uh, uh, 702s that were issued illegally on American citizens in the courts of mm -hmm. the South. So you think about that. They also made sure to include that it wasn't just people on the right, you know, and mo primarily they opened up these the, these 702s on uh, people related to January 6th. But they also opened up, you know, multiple uh, 702s on people related to, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the the George uh, Floyd protests. Right. So how is it that, you know, the Democrats and Republicans need to see this for what it is? It is a threat to our freedom. It is probably the greatest threat to American freedom that has ever existed because, you know, we know our enemies uh, that are, exist around the world, you know, China, Russia, uh, you know, uh, North Korea, Iran. But but what we don't seem to be able to grasp is that, you know, while there is an ocean between us and them. We have people right here, right now in our own government that are tyrants mm -hmm. that are essentially violating our rights left and right they don't give a damn because the enforcement arm of the law in in the federal courts is you know of course the uh you have the the uh, fbi uh who's the law enforcement you know the ones that are supposed to be investigating and you got the doj uh and the u.s attorneys are supposed to be the ones bringing indictments because they are corrupt and i will say it they are corrupt these institutions completely corrupted because of that you know no one uh, is safe and so i took the oath Three times, once as a U.S. Army soldier, and then I took it again with the United States Navy and then the Marine Corps. And that oath, it said, I, I swear, you know, to uh, support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Mm -hmm. And we clearly have domestic enemies right here. So that's the first pillar. And the second pillar is, is just as important. That deal, the first one deals with really our, our enemies here, you know, in our country. Because I see that as the biggest threat. The second one is dealing with our enemies abroad. And so that is why I think we need uh, to completely address all of these national security issues that we have. I've spent 26 years you know, of my career in cybersecurity, and the majority of that was working for the Defense Department in one way, shape, or another. And also then with the intelligence you know, uh, community for a couple of years. It, it is, without a doubt, uh, you know, we are, our, our military is the weakest I've ever seen it. Um, you've got soldiers that are are worried about uh, they're they're worried about training our soldiers how to be sensitive to people's you know pronouns that they want to be called by, rather than training these guys how to be you know uh, you know warriors. I mean that's mm -hmm. what we need. We need warriors. You know when you see when you see uh, the army put out a a recruitment video uh, that has a, a girl talking about how she has two moms and and how you know how. Uh, wonderful it is to be able to express yourself and all this other stuff in the military and and you compare that to russia's recruitment video which has masculine men jumping over logs and you know running through the woods shirtless with guns i mean it's like you know i saw that night and day. And I, yeah i my wife and i were watching that one night and i was showing her that video and she goes her exact words we are so screwed <laughs> you know and i think most americans would agree I but think this is right. the kind of, yeah, this is the kind of crap going on. And then you also have other things that are going on in terms of national security. We have a president 
who is accused of, and there are whistleblowers, you know, coming out to to expose this. But we have a president accused of money laundering with the yes. Chinese government. And by the way, what is being described by Representative Comer is exactly the same kind of crap I blew the whistle on Hillary Clinton for. All right. I want you to hold that thought. We've got to take a break for the second half of the show. When we come back, I want to get some more. uh, Have you expound on that just a little bit more? We'll be right back. If you're thinking about heading to Binance or you already have an account there, or maybe you're going to open a crypto account at some other large global exchange, I want you to stop and instead head on over to MyDigitalMoney.com. Now, why is that? Well, because last month it was revealed that Binance has been co-mingling customer funds, at least in 2020 and 2021. This is a clear breach of U.S. financial rules that require that customer money be kept separate from company revenue. Now, Binance Finance has actually denied mixing these funds, but the SEC has another thought in mind. Now, if this sounds familiar, it's because this is the same exact situation that FTX was in that led to its epic downfall, taking $8.9 billion in customer funds with it. And this is why my digital money keeps your assets with a qualified custodian under your name. When you invest with my digital money, your funds are completely secure. It will never be commingled with company funds. And in fact, no no matter what happens to my digital money, your funds will always be safe. Because you see, my digital money complies with regulations, regulations that are designed to protect you and your funds. So if you want to invest in cryptocurrency, invest with my digital money. Head on over to mydigitalmoney.com by clicking the link in the description box below, or you can give them a call at 833-636-2008. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. So I'm glad that you brought up the uh, recent whistleblower revelations and the claims, you know, substantiated claims that have been made about uh, Joe and Hunter Biden money laundering, pay to play, uh, pretty much everything that they tried to say Trump was doing while he was in office. But it's very clear that this has kind of been the order of the order of the day for a long time. Happened under the Obama administration. I I wouldn't be surprised if it happened many times, not just with Joe, but probably with Barry and Michelle as well. Uh, And then we have uh, this recent whistleblower from the IRS who claims that the DOJ tipped off Hunter Biden before they searched one of his storage units. It's crazy. Uh, Nate, if you're if you're the son yep. of the president, if you're the son of the dictator, you get the tip off. Uh, CNN doesn't show up at your door like you're Donald Trump or Roger yeah. Stone or Nate Kane. Uh, you know, these people are playing on a completely different playing field. So let, let's that's talk. Right. Let's talk about which, those. Which that's yeah, that's obstruction of justice, by the way. And how much you want to bet that no one pays the penalty for that? I mean, they know who they, it's easy to find out who who did it. Yep. You know, but I guarantee you, nobody's going to be held accountable. I want to stop that. That's something that has to change. So let's let's talk about what you found under uh, when you were at the FBI. What what was it that you found? So I'll I'll put this very succinctly. Um, If you go to page 78 of John Durham's report, what he describes there is exactly what I found. Now, um, he never talked to me. My guess is he went to the IG um, Horowitz and, you know, he had a classified annex of all the documents that I turned over. And then he looked at those documents and said, "Okay, I'm going to go talk to the agents that were involved in these things. And so he spoke with them. But what's interesting is he mentions three field offices were investigating Hillary Clinton. 
you had the Little Rock, Arkansas field office, the New York field office, and the Washington field office. And the documents that I found were basically, they were financial documents, what we call TSARs or FinCENT uh, documents, basically suspicious activity reports uh, that the banks, they start off, it starts with the banks. The banks identify something that they see that looks suspicious. They then notify the U.S. Treasury and then Treasury does their thing with it and it ends up going up to the FBI. And then by the time that the FBI is done with it, which they were, these were documents that were serialized. They had case numbers involved. Uh, they had the entire money train and all the banks and all the people that were involved and a whole, you know, couple paragraphs. Some cases it was like a couple pages of analyst notes, uh, each with credibility rating for these various charges. Charges that we were talking about, it was money laundering, which most of them were related to, public corruption, which many of them were related to, uh, and there was one charge of, uh, of securities and exchange fraud and one charge of terrorism finance, all of which were verified. These were not unverified. So, you know, uh, Durham made this claim in the report that, um, and I understand what he was trying to do. He was trying to show how they had supposedly unverified information on Hillary Clinton. And so they opened up a pre preliminary investigation. It wasn't even a full investigation. But in the case of Trump, they had information that they knew was salacious and right. fake. And yet they opened a full investigation on him. That was a misnomer because the truth is this information was verified. Yes, it may have started. It may have been initiated because of Peter Strzok's book, Clinton Cash. Ultimately, it was reviewed by the Peter US Treasury. Reviewed by, yeah, yeah, exactly. Peter Schweitzer. Eventually, it was reviewed by U.S. Treasury and then by the FBI and found to be credible. So by the time it gets there, it is fully verified information now, and it's admissible. And uh, so they had all this information, and yet um, you know, they, they, they completely decided to cover it up. And the conversations that I was hearing about was that they were afraid Hillary Clinton was going to get elected, mm -hmm. and they were afraid she was going to come after them and, and have retribution on them for their involvement of messing up her election or messing with her during the election. So it's not you know, unfounded. Was, no. Now, now there was also something else that was said. There were two claims that were made. And, and this was a conversation that that I I had heard where somebody had reviewed these transcripts of, of a seventh floor conversation between, you know, Comey and, and uh, Strzok and a whole bunch of other people. But what was said was that this was there were the words treason were being thrown around and that this was so big it could bring down the government. Now, I always thought, okay, yeah, what Hillary did was treasonous. Clearly, she had a pay-to-play scheme. It was clear as day. I mean, the money, that's what all the money laundering was about. And they they showed the connections on these documents. That's treason. Um, because a lot of this money came from countries that, you know, are our enemies. And uh, but there's also um, that statement, this is so big it could bring down the government, that never really made sense. Well, it turns out, you know, and I wasn't looking for this back then, but it turns out they had dirt on Biden too, and the FBI knew about it and, and at that time, you know, during the Obama administration. And so, of course, uh, if you had the, the vice president involved in money laundering, you have the secretary of state involved in pay to play uh, and, and the, the president. And here's the other one, and I think this would, this should be a concern. You know, these both in both cases, I think uh, 
Peter Swisher, he wrote a book called Clinton Cash. That got banks initiating uh, suspicious activity reports on the Clintons. Then he came out with a book called Empires or something like that, or Family Empires. It was a, a book about the Bidens, you know, and the Biden family and about all their money laundering. And it appears that that was, you know, what initiated uh, investigations into him. Well, Peter Swisher also came out with another book. And uh, I haven't heard anybody talk about it, but it's a book about Mitch McConnell and his involvement, you know, in in pay to play and, and stuff like that because of uh, his wife's connections to the Chinese, uh, you know, uh, Communist Party and whatnot, her family and, uh, you know, shipping and all of that. So imagine if we find out that the FBI has, you know, has uh, information on on Mitch as well. Um, it That would be something big enough to bring down, uh, you know, the entire government, because now you have both. Uh, both sides of the aisle, you have uh, essentially the executive branch and, you know, a legislative branch, uh, you know, very important person in the legislative branch being brought down. Um, so, you know, there's no excuse at all for the FBI blowing this over and covering it up. None whatsoever. But I guarantee you, they did not expect Donald Trump to win. And when he did, they knew that he was going to get control of the FBI and that he would then and begin investigating things and finding out, uh, you know, that they covered up crimes committed by Hillary Clinton. And so they had to, they had no choice but to go after him with everything they had and to make up, you know, uh, a, a fake predicate to go after him with the, you know, Mueller uh, investigation. And then, uh, you know, all this other nonsense. Interestingly enough, in the second uh, impeachment uh, uh, that they, they made against Trump or attempt that they made against Trump, that was over the um, it was over the Ukraine phone call. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the interesting thing is, is that that could have never happened without the, the assistance of Michael Atkinson, who was the intelligence community inspector general. Uh, one of the people I named in my obstruction of justice charge before, before any of that happened. But the reason I named him was because he was the head of the public corruption unit for the FBI during the Uranium One scandal and all of these investigations into Hillary Clinton, he he saw it all, and and he was involved in the cover up. So it was Mueller, who ended up being the one going after Trump. It was Rod Rosenstein, because he was the U.S. attorney involved in 10x and and Rosatom and all of that, and did nothing about it. Who was essentially the acting AG because Jeff Sessions had recused himself from everything Hillary Clinton and Russia, and it was also. Uh, uh, Comey, because Comey was the deputy FBI director under Mueller during the time of all of that. So everybody who was involved in that, they were involved in basically setting Donald Trump up for impeachment and going after him with the bogus, uh, you know, uh, uh, special counsel. So, you know, th this kind of stuff, it cannot go unanswered. These people need to go to jail for what they did. And I'm talking about everybody I just named and some. These people need to go to jail. They violated the, the civil rights of a sitting president and a candidate for president uh, by spying on him and his campaign and then spying on him while he was still you know, president. Uh, they, you know, they essentially attempted a coup, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, you know, and, and, and now, uh, now we're dealing with the results of that. You know, stolen elections have consequences, and mm -hmm. we are living in those consequences right now. Absolutely. So, um, 
But, you know, going back to that second pillar that I was talking about, national security, look what's happening at our border. You know, the border is overrun by people coming in from all over the world. I mean, these are it's no longer, you know, Mexicans coming across the border. That was about 20 years ago, you know, and, and all of them that wanted to come here 20 years ago came here 20 years ago and, and got into the country. No, these people are coming from Africa. Mm -hmm. They're coming from Iran. They're coming from Russia. They're coming from China. You know, these things should concern us. They're also coming from Venezuela and other countries where, you know, they do have legitimacy in terms of their claims of asylum. But there's no respect for the law at all. And, uh, you know, and this is, I believe, an attempt. And, and by the way, the people who are funding, what are these people affording these flights to to Mexico? How are they getting, you know, all the way, you know, from uh, South America, you know, to to uh, Central America? You know, how are they getting to Mexico? Well, I'll tell you how. It's all being funded by our enemies. It's being funded by Venezuela, by Cuba, you know, by other socialist states in order to overwhelm our uh, social safety net and essentially cause chaos and disrupt our country's you know, economy. And so that that's what's happening here. And and, uh, and that is a national security threat. You also have excuse me. You also have a national security threat uh, in, in regards to uh, supply chain. You know, we've got all this stuff that's going on in our country that where we are dependent on other countries, including energy. We had the ability to become completely energy independent. And now you've got these people pushing for, uh, you know, quote unquote, uh, climate, uh, you know, uh, friendly technology or whatever and and I think that's a bunch of you know baloney but they're doing this and and they they are making themselves dependent on China again with all of these batteries where lithium is being you know coming from China where cobalt is coming from Africa you know from child labor uh in the Congo uh, where the contracts are held by China where other rare earth minerals are coming from Afghanistan which we had control over and we pulled out and then China took over, um, you know, we are in a position now to where we don't have uh, the resources for, you know, some of this quote unquote green technology that they talk about. And so now we have to go get it from, uh, you know, from China. And, uh, you know, and then I just found out that, um, that the uh, Podesta group uh, lobbied Congress in order to get an exemption on on the two, uh, there's two battery producing factories that were sold to the American people and sold, you know, to West Virginia and to um, Minnesota. They wanted to build these massive battery, you know, plants to build these uh, what they call iron air batteries. And they're like, oh, these things don't need any lithium. And so, you know, we don't have to get anything from China. And, uh, you know, there are these massive batteries that are going to help the, you know, power grid and all this, right? Well, turns out that uh, the Podesta group lobbied congress to get an exemption on um uh the the epa pollution standards <laughs> so these things are going to sit this they're going to sit on the ohio and the mississippi river uh they also got an exemption for uh liability in the event of a toxic spill wow uh, that sounds to me like a setup and then on to add to that and this really pissed me off is to come to find out they got an exemption so that they can purchase source material from guess where China. China, because because these are all part of national critical infrastructure. These batteries will be as they get connected to the power grid and under the law, under um, 13 CFR uh, Chapter 7, it makes it illegal 
to source material from China uh, as, as a, a part of your supply chain for anything that's going to be added to um, you know national security or uh, to national critical infrastructure. So it, it's insane what we're seeing. So it's it's a double standard. It's total lie. Everything they say, you just automatically mm -hmm. just should assume they're lying to you. And uh, of course, uh, you know all of these things that are going on. Um, you know, they're all national security related issues and we're in dire trouble and we have to deal with this. You also had Biden selling off 20 uh, percent of our of our, uh, you know, national um, uh, strategic uh, energy reserve. And he sells it off. And guess who the biggest benefactor is? China. China. Yeah. And then when we run, you know, when we're running low and he's got to go get more oil because he refuses to, you know, pass a permitting for, you know, drilling here. He goes and buys oil from Venezuela. Yep. communist country and that only bolsters uh you know their their uh uh you know their their communist dictator down there mm -hmm. and by the way the oil that we got from there is total crap oil it's not even good quality oil because it's been sitting in rust bucket ships that don't run and so it's been sitting in these ships rusting away and that is what uh you know that's what we brought you know into america so wow. you know the the biden administration as far as i'm concerned you know, is the greatest threat to national security that we've probably ever had. And uh, and he absolutely 100 percent needs to be impeached. But that's not what we're seeing going on right now. In fact, you see uh, the articles of, of impeachment were introduced by um, uh, by uh, 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 Representative Boebert. Yep. Yeah. And and yet, uh, you know, McCarthy, what does he do? He pushes it to, you know, to the uh, Department of Home uh, Homeland Security Committee and and uh, the Judiciary Committee so that it could get stalled there. You know, that kind of nonsense needs to stop. This is exactly why they put in a provision, you know, for the uh, the call a vote of no confidence. Uh, I think McCarthy needs to be ousted as speaker. To me, he's not uh, somebody who's looking after the interests of America. Now, his claim will be, oh, you know, we shouldn't do this because we can't win in ejecting, you know, Biden out of, uh, you know, out of office because we don't have the Senate. Mm -hmm. So what? That didn't stop the Democrats no. because the Democrats the, the Democrats understood that if you impeach somebody, even on bogus charges, mm -hmm. and in this case it's not bogus, but if you impeach somebody, then guess what? You hurt them in their next election. Exactly. They understood that. We need to take a page from their playbook and use it against them. And not only that, but also, and this is to me even more important. You know what a president cannot do while he's under impeachment? Pardon? That's right. That is right. He needs to be impeached if for no other reason it prevents him from pardoning his son and himself. Yep. <clears throat> so, yeah. No, I. In, <clears throat> someone said this the other day. <clears throat> we were talking about uh, the censorship of Adam Schiff. You know, oh, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, and now he's before the ethics committee. Uh, and he could realistically be expelled from Congress for the lies that he told. So that's, that's right. not you know ceremonial. Who, yeah. And, and you know who's, who you know who has said nothing about Adam Schiff being expelled? Who? McCarthy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he doesn't want to, you know, he won't address it because and, and here's what bothers me about that. I went down to the reawaken tour down in, um, uh, you know, uh, down in uh, Florida at the Trump Doral uh, recently. And uh, people can go to my social media and they can see it pinned to the top of my social media. But I went forward and I got on the microphone while Devin Nunez was up on stage because 
I already knew the answer, but I wanted to ask him so the whole world would hear it and it would be, you know, televised. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I said, you know, I told him, I said, I was the whistleblower, the, uh, you know, the the uh, Uranium One whistleblower, and I turned over documents to your office. would like to know what happened to those documents. Do they still exist? Was anything ever done? And, you know, and now that I'm running for Congress, is there any possibility that I'll be able to do something? And his response was that, you know, as you'll remember, something terrible happened after we received your documents. And that is that the Democrats took over control of, you know, the House. And he said, Adam Schiff buried <clears throat> that investigation. Wow. Buried. Now, those are his words. Uh, you know, I'm quoting, uh, you know, Devin Nunez. How is that not a crime? Yeah. If I if a whistleblower risks his life to bring information, you know, to a committee, you know, it's supposed to be a bipartisan committee uh, and and he's going to decide looking at the evidence that I turned in, which was solid evidence, by the way. It was so solid. Here's here's how, you know, if anybody questions as to whether or not the information that I turned in is, uh, you know, was solid. All you have to do is look at the fact that it got a credibility rating by the inspector general who was appointed by a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Mind you. And he said, this is severe, uh, a severe national security matter of urgent concern. And when the House uh, Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence's, uh, their liaison didn't want to take the information from me, and I was given authorization to, to, you know, to bring it there. So first, well, actually, two things happened. One, Jeff Sessions refused to give it a credibility rating. The IG, to his credit, felt that it was so important to get this information into the hands of the intel committees that he went ahead and offered to give it a credibility rating himself. Mm-hmm. And so he did. Then the second thing that he did was when we were given authorization to take it to the committees, and the committees refused to take it from us because I was not willing to give them my name. I had a code name, MC Poda, and I was not willing to testify because this dealt with the leadership of the FBI. Hillary Clinton and her cronies and Russian intelligence agents and information on them, which included, and this was mentioned in the report on page 78, an intelligence report, which that intelligence report proved that Biden, Hillary, Obama, they all knew, uh, you know, Mueller. It it, it basically proved everybody that knew that the uh, Russian company, energy company, Rosatom, was trying to infiltrate our uranium supply chain. It was all the the evidence surrounding that in a dossier, basically an intelligence report. So I brought that out as well. Now, I knew if I went there and I gave them my name or I agreed to testify, even behind a closed screen or whatever, the chances were the Democrats were going to leak my name yep. and get me killed and get me killed. Yep. And I eventually did get poisoned twice. So, you know, I'm not messing around with these guys, you know, and I, I told them, I said, no, I'm not going to. And uh, and so. So that they didn't want to take the documents from me because of that. So I went back to uh, Horowitz and my lawyer you know, talked to Horowitz's office and he agreed. He said, ask them if they will take these documents if I deliver them. OK, I mean, that that's how much he believed that this was important. Mm-hmm. And so so he offered to deliver them and he did. He delivered them to both, you know, uh, uh, both of them. But the security officer in the Senate took the file and shoved it in a drawer and never gave it to the committee, which is also illegal. Why has there never been any punishment for any of that? Do we know who that person is? Do we have an inkling as to who they might be? 
I could probably try to figure that out, but I don't know. I think um, it's worth, I think it's worth doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and eventually, um, and the reason I only reason I know about it is because, um, I, I was getting harassed on a daily basis by this FBI agent who was, uh, you know, running the investigation on me. And I ended up uh, getting sick of it and going uh, to the Senate, or to, yeah, to the Senate Judiciary uh, uh, Chairman, which was um, Lindsey Graham at the time. And I met with his uh, investigative counsel. That's I never met Lindsey Graham, but I, they they set me up an appointment with their investigative counsel. I showed up with my lawyer. I laid out all the details of everything that happened and all the details of everything that we turned in. And when they investigated it, they found out that the Senate never, the Senate Intel Committee never even received it. Wow. That it just got shoved in a drawer. So they have it now, um, you know, but it's like, th this is the kind of nonsense that goes on. So my theory is this, when you have a surveillance state that has the kind of power that it has to spy on Americans, we already know that they're violating the law left, right, and center, over 250,000 702 FISAs, and that is the most intrusive intelligence gathering that you can do on a person because you're looking at every digital fingerprint that they have, their phones, their text messages, their emails, their social media, private messages, uh, you know, their, uh, uh, their search engines, you know, anything and everything that they do, you know, what porn they look at, all of that. It's all there for them to see. So when they get that, and uh, and who you're talking to. And then, by the way, then they can go one level deeper and they can go spy on everybody that knows you yep. and that has that that's in your Rolodex. And then they can spy on everybody that is connected to their Rolodex. They can do a two what they call a two person hop. This is like unbelievably, uh, you know, uh, com completely a, an abomination to the Constitution. And by the way, it expires. 702 expires in December and everybody on the show needs to contact your representative and tell them if you vote to to uh, re-engage this thing one more time then i'm going to vote against you in the primary i don't care uh, if i got to vote for the other team i'm going to vote against you because we cannot have this thing reauthorized it is absolutely uh, the most destructive thing that exists because here's the thing with that kind of power do you and 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 their clear flagrant abuse of it do you really think that they're not using it to collect information no. on every member of Congress and every judge on every you know political uh, uh, candidate? They are using this so that they can manipulate and blackmail. And if they can't get them, then they can go after their children or they can go after their spouses or their loved ones. And so this thing is evil to, you know, absolutely evil and needs to be destroyed because oh. it will destroy our country. Absolutely. And, and so, so I had the, 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 I actually had a group um, called National Write Your Congressman reach out to me today, uh, and they're not a lobbying group, but they organize people all over the nation to contact their congressman uh, on targeted issues. And this is actually something that I had discussed. I, I had considered bringing to them because this is super, super important. I always tell people, write your congressman. Uh, this, if, if we could get everybody galvanized on this one subject, then uh, I think we have an opportunity to do some good. During uh, during the testimony this week, there was uh, uh, one or two congressmen who, who mentioned the fact that uh, that FISA cannot be um, uh, reengaged or you know whatever they call it uh, when they vote to allow it to continue. Yeah, renewed. They, renewed. They, you know, yes. they cannot renew it. And the thing that we got to be careful of is this is how they get away with this crap. They'll say, oh, we're not going to renew, you know, FISA 702. 
So they rename it to mm-hmm. something else and they add it into a bill. Oh, yeah. This is what they did. They, it was the Patriot Act, remember? That's what it was before. Yeah. Yep. You know, and the prison program, the thing that Edward Snowden, you know, risked his life to expose. Now, he didn't do it in the right way, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, what he exposed in regards to prison was absolutely right for him to expose because it was unconstitutional. True. And it's against American citizens and his exposure caused there to be changes made to the law so that when I was read onto those programs, there were certain provisions in place to protect the civil rights of American citizens. Now, those were done away with by Obama be- the month before he left office so that they could use it against Trump. On Trump. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, all right. So, I, all- I was well. I, I we're we've got uh, somebody on the phone lines waiting to come on in, sure. and so um, I'd like to to bring them in. But before we do, I just need to say that uh, the last portion of the show is brought to you uh, by several of our sponsors here. Onenessdrops.com, where you can pick up your own chlorine dioxide water purification kits. These are great to have on hand. They are uh, excellent for killing certain pathogens and bugs. You can find a lot of information about car- chlorine dioxide on the internet. Uh, and obviously, if the water system goes down and for some reason you can't get clean water from the tap water, you can use this to make clean water out of virtually anything. You should have it with you in your go bag. You should have it with you in your emergency kit. You should have it with you when you go camping. Chlorine dioxide is uh, oftentimes referred to as a miracle substance because of how amazing it is and the things that it does inside your body. So, Chlorine dioxide kits at onenessdrops.com. Use code RP78 for 15% off. Also, our friends at My Patriot Supply, you can go to my special website, preparewithredpill78.com. Right now, they have a, a better deal for you than they did last month. It's $80 off of a four week supply of food. So, Add that up, $80 off times three, rather than the $200 off of a three-month supply, you're getting a better deal. Every single one of these meal kits comes with over 2,000 calories a day per person, 16 varieties of food with an up to a 25-year shelf life. You've got breakfast, lunches, dinners. Uh, It comes in a waterproof uh, uh, tote, and you can use it for other things if you are done using the food. You also get free shipping and it's included. It'll be sent to you very quickly. When it uh, averages out to the cost, you're talking about less than $3 a meal. So you should always have emergency food on hand because you never know when the proverbial ish is going to hit the fan. And then finally, our friend Mike Lindell at MyPillow.com. You can use code RP78 and save up to 80% off all of Mike's incredible products, passing the savings on to you directly and supporting the mission of our Red Pill 78 and Red Pill News here on this channel. You can get the MyPillow towel set. You can get the MyPillow Giza Dream Sheets. You can get the MyPillow 2.0 or the mattress topper. It doesn't matter what it is. It's always going to be great products made in the USA, made for patriots like you. And when you support Mike Lindell, you are directly supporting Red Pill News here on Red Pill 78. So let's go ahead and bring in our very first caller and want to say one more time, thank you very much to Nate for hanging out with us tonight. And thank you uh, once again for your bravery. Caller, you're on the air. Go ahead and mute that stream in the background. And can we get your name? Yes. Hey, this is uh, Wild Paisley. I want Wild. to say, hey, Nat. Wild Hi. Paisley. That's my name on social media. Hey, um, first and for, for, foremost, this is my first time calling. So, wee! Okay. Super excited. Okay. We're glad to have you. 
I tweeted you privately messaged super long time ago when your basement flooded. Oh, God, that, of, that was a long time ago. That was, that was back in Michigan. <laughs> yes, because I just wanted to give you a heads up about mold. Unfortunately, yep. me and my son got permanently damaged from toxic mold in our home, unfortunately. So yep. I was like, I got to reach out to you. You responded right away, which just amazed me, and I'll never forget that. That's so um, cool. <laughs> I've been, yes. I've been banned from Twitter for life. I had, I took my husband's account when I got banned. I took my son's account when I got banned. And of course, you know, their accounts are permanently banned too. And it was all, I know, right? And it was all because Elon won't let me come back on either. It, it was all because I'm almost sure this is the one where, was it John Brennan? Gosh, that, that. Ugh, you know that guy. You know who oh, I yeah. mean. I know who you mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. CIA. John Brennan. Traitor. Traitor. Okay. And he's and he's a Muslim and he's a traitor. Yep. You know. That's when Court TV was starting to come back on, and mm-hmm. I said, I can't wait to see your ass in the electric chair because I'm going to be front row seat on Court TV watching you fry. <laughs> oh. That's it. Thank you for life. All right. I, it's a, senti- sure it's a sentiment that many echo, Paisley. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. <laughs> and a couple of other things. First, Redfield, I've been with you from day one. I kid you not, day one. Thank day you. Day one. And I also want to say, okay, last year, out of, what do you want to say? Uh, Depression, massive depression. My parents promised me they wouldn't get the jab. And then they did, oh. which was, yeah, devastating. I'm so They're sorry still to hear here, that. They're still here, believe it or not. Oh, thank They're God. They're still here, believe it or not. And my mom just turned 94. <laughs> oh, wow. My dad, yeah, my dad will be 94 um, in August. But after all the medical documents I sent them, I was so devastated and I think you might remember this I sent you an email that was probably weird strange because I'd been drinking because I was crying like no tomorrow hanging out with my chickens in the chicken coop how terrible is that (laughs) (laughs) and you emailed me right back I was in shock I do remember. I do remember. Because I, I was worried about you. Oh, I know. And, yeah. you know, I was I was so extremely touched, like so touched. And um, that was a God, that was a rough day. Cause my mom and dad told me in the middle of a restaurant and I bursted out into tears. What are you, what are you doing when you stop that? I'm just <laughs> like, oh, my God, you don't know what you've done. But. And I also want to say, I remember um, Muffin Gate. But mm-hmm. what I meant, what I, what I remember the most about Muffin Gate was when you had um, Mark John on, right? Yep, John Mark Dugan. And yeah, love that guy. And he was telling his his story and everything about Russia because he'd been there for you know a few years. Uh-huh. At that at that point, I was like. Oh my God, we have been lied to. 
We have been lied to. Every single thing about Russia was a lie. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know anything before Putin. I don't know any of that crap. Okay. But so you got him over there on asylum. You got, was it Tara Reid who just went there, right? Uh, yep. yep. Or, um, yeah. And um, Snowden, right? Mm-hmm. And I, every since, this sounds nutty, but, and of course, family and friends think I'm nutty. Ever since that interview, which I wish I would have had a copy of, I have wanted to live in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it probably it's a- has its pluses and it's got its minuses, you know, but, um, well, hang on. I want to, I want to get, I want to get Nate's thoughts on, uh, specifically the Tara Reed defection, you know, uh, obviously, mm-hmm. Nate Tara's uh her her safety is in jeopardy. I mean, just take a look at anybody who crossed the Clintons and I I'm certain that there's got to be at least one or two people out there who crossed the Bidens who is, you know, mysteriously not around today. Um but uh you know, I I I think that Russia is probably the closest analog uh that would be safe to go to if you were trying to escape an assassination hit squad from uh CIA bagmen. Um but it uh, it it also throws shade on her her uh, her claims against Joe Biden. I mean, I knew it as soon as I heard that she was going to Russia. I said the mainstream media is going to call her a Russian asset. They're going to say that it was always uh, a play by the Russians to discredit Joe Biden. Oh, I, I totally agree. Uh, um, in fact, uh, you know, and I, and I would honestly say that, you know, it might not be wrong. Yeah, this is the problem. When people go to Russia, it leaves that question open. Uh, the Russians do like to use honeypots and do like to use those types of tactics. So it's, it's really foolish, you know, uh, you know, to to go over there. Um, I really don't think it's a it's a good idea. You know, Snowden himself has made it a point to say publicly that he would be willing to come back and face charges, provided that he is, you know, given uh, you know a fair trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't want to be thrown into jail, you know, and, and Guantanamo and, you know, have the, the, the key thrown away. Uh, he wants a fair trial. If he's saying that, I don't think things are, are so great over there as what everybody, you know, claims. In fact, um, you know, my father used to always say uh, the grass may be greener on the other side, but you still, still got to mow the lawn. And my favorite uh, version <laughs> of that is is the grass may be greener on the other side, but it's still fertilized with the same bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I have to I have to agree. You know, it's like I, I think that uh, it, it 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 every everything is situational. So John Mark Dugan, obviously, he was uh, seeking asylum from uh, the police force that he had blown the whistle on down here in Florida. Um, and but he has not been given citizenship. He just has like some type of permanent residency and he has relationships, you know, so he's been able to make a life for himself over there. I don't know specifically Edward Snowden, you know, what his experience has been like, but I can tell you this. I have seen him uh, talk about part of his discomfort. It has to do with the fact that the Russians want him to give them more information, you know, and he's not interested, he said, in, uh, in you know, becoming a traitor to his country. You know, the only reason he brought that information forward and made public what he did is because he knew that what our government was doing 
was wrong. It, it was illegal. It was a violation of the Constitution. So I, 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 I'm actually not that surprised, Nate, to hear that he has said that because um, I, I saw him specifically say, you know, you know, they want me to tell as much as I can possibly give them about the uh, the machinations of the uh, U.S. security and intel state. Uh, but he just well, doesn't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, right? You know, what if 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 it's true that what he did, he did because he believed that he was doing the right thing for the you know sake of the nation. Uh, he absolutely should want to be an American, right? Yeah. And so, so I I have a natural you know distrust for anybody that that wants to um, you know. There's a lot of people who are are you know expatriates that live in other countries. I understand that. I get mm. that. I lived in Japan for three years, and I will tell you, it was great because it was during the Obama years, and I didn't have to listen to a single news story, you know, or anything about his mess. And uh, and it was nice. It, it was probably the lowest stress I've ever had. But um, but even still, I've always had a love of country, and um and and I you know I kind of have that feeling of like you know the the captain that uh, you know will will never abandon ship. You know, I will go down with the ship before yeah. I abandon. Uh, and and it's because I got history here. You know, it goes back all the way to the beginning of this country, the Revolutionary War. I mean, I've got family that fought in the Battle of Cowpens and, uh, you know, and fought in every war since then. And so, you know, for me to walk away from all of that is to abandon, you know, everything that makes me who I am and, you know, in, in the history of my family. Uh, I just could never do that. You know, now maybe some people um don't have that loyalty because maybe they don't have a long history here you know or, or maybe they have other you know other things that uh you know that matter to them but yeah i just don't uh i don't see the advantage of of leaving america look america for all of its warts and it's got plenty of them i still think it's the greatest nation on the face of the planet yeah and, yeah i have uh, to agree it, and if it wasn't then why would why do we have you know millions of, of illegal migrants you know willing to you know cross over uh the border and come from every nation around the world to come here now granted some are coming here i think for bad reasons but the majority of these people are coming here to make a better life because they know about the freedoms and it's not just freedom in terms of like uh you know our constitutional rights but it's the freedom to be able to be from nothing and make something of yourself that yeah. to me is the quintessential american dream you know, everywhere else in the world, if you don't come from money, you'll never be of money. But you can come to America with two dollars in your pocket and you can make something. I, I've heard, you know, hundreds of stories about that kind of stuff for from immigrants. They come here, work hard, you know, start their own business and they become a success. And and to me, that is what makes America great. And uh, and quite frankly, uh, the, the bloated uh, federal bureaucracy has really put a dampener on that with a lot of our overregulation and uh, a lot of these rules that are being you know made out of out of these uh, federal agencies that that are not legislators. They have no right to you know to be writing you know let you know rules essentially and and putting those in place. It really is something for the Congress to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I actually I think I've always wanted to visit Russia. I'll tell you that, Paisley. Um, but I think I think Nate's I think Nate's right. You know, I can trace back my lineage in America to pre uh, uh, revolutionary war. I actually have a relative who fought in the French Indian War uh, and then who fought in the Revolutionary War. And the dude was still alive during the Civil War. He made he lived like one hundred and thirty four years. It was uh, something crazy like that. You can look him up. 
His name is Henry Francois. So that's one of the reasons that I am so passionate about this, because I, I, I agree with Nate. You know, the United States is, uh, for all of its shortcomings, the best nation that we could hope to live in. I think every single one of us is blessed yeah. by God to have been born here. And uh, and for that alone, you know, I'm going to I'm going to keep standing until they uh, put a bullet in the back of my head or I just end up, you know, <laughs> falling asleep and never waking up again. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I got to say, my my grandmother, believe it or not, uh, she's Italian, okay. and her parents, her parents, if you can believe this, her mother specifically sold her so that she could get a ticket for her other daughter and her to come to America. So my grandmother was sold by her own mother. Holy jeez, that's uncomfortable yes. at uh, family reunions, I bet. Yes. Well, I mean, that was, you know, a very long time ago. Like I said, my dad will be 94 in August. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And it's like, um, and the bad thing about it is she came over on, you know, Ellis Island. And if you looked, if you were sick, they sent you back. If you looked sick, they sent you back. Well, she was sick because of uh, seasickness. She, didn't, she wasn't sick because of a disease. So they put her in another area to go back to Italy except she couldn't read or, or understand English at all. So she ended up being in the wrong section. And then they, she got in another boat. They took her to another part of New York where they just dropped her off. And here she is, 15 years old, just wandering the streets, not knowing how to talk to anybody. Wow, that's crazy. And this one woman who owned a bake, bakery who was Italian, and she knew she was Italian because of her clothing, and so she took her in and she was able to work for her and stay there. Yeah, it was. That's incredible. Yeah, it was like, it's like, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. But Nate, you go. Your love for God is, I love it. I just love it. So you go. I'm always rooting for you. I'm always praying for your safety, strength, you. and peace. And same thing for you, Red Pill. Thank you. When you, before you got kicked off YouTube, I cannot remember what it was. All I remember was it was a weekend. You dropped a bombshell that was bigger than the bombshell, in my opinion, that got you kicked off. <laughs> and at that moment, I was in the kitchen going, oh, my God, he's going to be removed. He's going to be removed. <laughs> and they let you stay for a couple more. And then you did another bombshell like a couple of days later. And poof, that was it. You're, you're kicked off. But first time caller, so excited. Okay. <laughs> Thank I'm you so Arizona. much. So I'm in Arizona. So when you come here for a wedding, I want to take you and Lisa out to lunch. I awesome. really do. Awesome. We'll make it happen. I'll, I'll drop you an email. Okay. Sounds good. You Thank you it. so much. Have a great night. God bless. Right. We'll see you. Right. <laughs> All right. So we've got two more callers on the line. Before we go, we got to we got to talk about the Durham report. I want your thoughts on it. But let's let's bring in one of these callers. Okay, Caller, go ahead and mute that stream. Go ahead and mute the stream. And can we get your name? Hey, what's happening, Zach? And uh, Casey. I want to welcome Nate back. Good Nate. to hear from you, Casey. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I were really obviously rooting for any American first candidate. Uh, a little disappointed with the, and I don't know if you've covered it or not, with the ceiling dead vote. Oh, yeah. uh, I was... Uh, Proactive. John James is my uh, congressman. He should have been my senator twice over. Yep. Uh, but, you know, the elections being the way they are, I just, you know, 
first of all, I can't understand why all this early voting before debates, okay, uh, how anybody could make an informed, and now they're obviously trying to run the 16-year-old because they have to pay taxes. They should have a voice in voting, which is just, you know, absolutely insane to think that a 16-year-old, we'd end up with Cardi B if enough teenagers voted. Uh, But the whole thing is, it's if you look at having any type of vote before a debate, and now what you've seen with uh, Katie Hobbs Mm -hmm. refusing to debate, all right, how no state or federal implementation of a debate, you want to talk about an attack on democracy, Oh yeah. if you can't hear from the candidate, you know, I mean, I've had ideas about what to do about the parties and, you know, campaign finance, because most of it is uh, broadcasting your your ads, mm-hmm. broadcasting your views. You remember the old uh, over the air radio sta- uh, TV stations, ABC, NBC, oh, yeah. you know, CBS, mm-hmm. you know why we couldn't give, you know, ABC to the Republicans, NBC to the Democrats, CBS to the independents, and let them run all their ads on that and save all the other channels, you know, because they're out there, you know, uh, the UHF channels and everything. But how they got rid of them and didn't think, hey, maybe we'll just make political parties available to broadcast, you know, uh, sure. and give them compensation. But I've also said we've needed. Uh, you know, $500 million to a billion dollars for each one of these parties to have a war chest for lawfare. All you know, right. I, There's you no know, reason. You know what I think? I was okay. talking about taking money out of politics earlier. You know, uh, all of these uh, uh, various communication platforms that use, uh, uh, you know, all these different frequencies in the airwaves and stuff. You know, what if as part of their uh, their their contract to be able to broadcast, they are required to provide uh, uh, equal and adequate representation for the various political candidates when it comes time and they have to broadcast those things free of charge. They just do it a certain number of times per day. That way, every single candidate has an opportunity to get their message out there and it's not going to be uh, uh, controlled by the amount of money that a candidate gets. Because right now, Nate, you're the uh, uh, the the gentleman that you're running against, you know, I don't know what his war chest looks like, but let's say that he has more money than you. That means that he can buy more ad space. He can blanket West Virginia with his message. And if you're unable to raise as much money because you're not getting your money from the Podesta group or from uh, other major Washington lobbyists, uh, it puts you at a significant disadvantage. I mean, any ideas on that? Yeah, um, no, you're, you're absolutely right. In fact, uh, even as I've gone out and I've begun, you know, talking to different people, so pretty much every strategist has told me the very first question out of their mouth to me is how much money have you raised? Oh, yeah. Because unless you've raised a, a considerable amount of money, they don't even consider you a viable candidate. Well, the only reason, uh, you know, that that might be a problem in my case uh, is because I don't have, you know, political connections with big business and with, uh, you know, the big corporations and uh, and lobbyists. And so, uh, you know, I am out there uh, raising, you know, small dollar donations. The funny thing is, is actually the dollar amount, uh, you know, uh, limitations that they have right now actually hurts me. 
there are a few people who have wanted to give me more than what, you know, they're allowed to lawfully give me. And they've had to basically, you know, I've had to tell them, sorry, I can't take more than, you know, uh, you know, than, than uh, 3,300, you know, per, per individual. And so I have, a, I have like probably three or four donors that wanted to give me a lot more. Um, so, I, you know, I basically, I have to make up for that with small dollar donations from a lot more people. And, uh, you know, and the other, the other issue that's kind of a, a really a, a, it, it gives people who have run for office previously, um, you know, a, a, an advantage is that you can roll the money from one campaign into the next. Mm -hmm. And so if you have money left over from a previous campaign, well, then, you know, you can make, you can, and, and obviously in general elections, uh, there's typically more money that's given to you than in a primary because people want to bet on a horse they know that's going to win. Right. And so, so, uh, so my opponent, for example, he's, he's the West Virginia treasurer. So he has money already in his account from, you know, his previous elections and stuff. So, so that is a definitely a challenge, but, um, you know, and we will find out, you know, I am out there campaigning. Uh, he's not. And I know, you know, it's wow. because he thinks he's going to just, you know, buy his way into office with advertising. Um, I'm actually out there, uh, you know, 18 different counties and, and, uh, in one month. Um, and, you know, I think we put, since we started this, uh, you know, over the last couple of months, we've, you know, we put 16,000 miles on our car. So, you know, I'm getting out there and I'm talking to people and I am absolutely, um, you know, everywhere I go where I do talk to people, uh, I am having, you know, great success in, in convincing people that I'm the right guy for them. The only issue wow. that I'm going to run into is uh, when it does come down to the final hour, I do need to raise some serious funds because I've got to buy billboards and, you know, and I got to get signage and, you know, and, and do the advertising that at least at a minimum right before the election gets out, you know, people out to vote and, and gets them out there for all of those that maybe remember me from, you know, a year before when I started campaigning, but, you know, in order to get to, it's, it's, it's a, and it's more complicated in a place like West Virginia, because there's no roads that get anywhere straight, you know, so you're going over the mountains and going down through hollers and, you know, and West Virginia, especially the northern um, half of West Virginia, you got the eastern panhandle and you have the northern panhandle and that's all in my district. So it's four hours away uh, to the furthest point, you know, four, four, actually four and a half hours away to the to the um, furthest point in my district. Whereas if I was, a, you know, over a, a highly populated area, I'd have a much smaller, you know, area and space to cover. And. And so you know, blanketing advertisements, you know, in, in a you know, few neighborhoods and you kind of covered it all uh, here. You know, I've got to basically cover a huge wide space, you know, in order to, you know, in order to get that um, recognition out there. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I am, Nate, yeah. OK, I was going to say, since you are running against the treasurer, all right, I got a good slogan for you against right. him. Say, okay. don't follow the money. <laughs> think about it all right it's yeah, catchy yeah. all right everybody's saying follow the money but if you follow the money that guy's gonna get in so don't follow the money follow you know follow the idea and the idea sure. of you is holding them to their feet to the fire and and where's the money just like hunter biden where's the money yeah well uh, there's know. definitely you know there's definitely a there, 
one of the things that I'm counting on is um, I'm getting out there and talking to the people and the people, when I go and talk to them, I hear over and over again, uh, this has happened on multiple occasions where I'll speak at an event and somebody will come up to me afterwards or they'll, you know, ask me a question during the speech and they'll tell me, you know, look, um, before you came here and spoke, I was not going to vote. I, I, I was sick of it and I was given up and I had given up hope. Uh, but after hearing you, I'm going to vote so that I can vote for you. And that that kind of, you know, hearing that sort of thing, that tells me that my message is resonating with people. And uh, and it is, you know, it's resonating with the very people that need, you know, that I need to vote for me, which is, you know, the uh, the demographic, quite frankly, is, uh, and it's unfortunate, but the demographic is 80% uh, of the people who vote in the primary are over age 55. And, uh, and oh, so, yeah. Yeah. so, so it is, um, I'm out there, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, committee meetings, I'm going to club meetings, uh, I'm out there, you know, speaking at senior citizen centers, I'm going everywhere that I can to get the word out. And uh, I, you know, I just uh, spoke the other day up in uh, Weirton at, at a Second Amendment rally. And so, you know, I am, um, I'm getting around and and that is, uh, now we're starting to, when we first started this, I'd walk into a room and I'd say, all right, how many of you have heard of Nate Kane? And nobody would raise their hand. And then I would say, well, how many of you heard of the Uranium One whistleblower? And then I'd see about half of the hands go up. Now, when I go out, I've stopped asking that question because when I go out somewhere and I say, how many of you heard? you know, heard about me and all the hands go up. And so word is getting around and, um, you know, and, and I'm, I have a, a very, very, uh, I think a good groundswell of support and grassroots effort that is, you know, that is moving forward. And, uh, and it is not for me, I kind of see, see it like this. Uh, if I don't win, it's not going to be it's not going to be because of lack of effort and lack of putting my heart and soul and you know blood sweat and, and tears into it it will be because it just wasn't god's plan you know um if i get elected uh it's not going to be because i was the most well financed uh, uh you know candidate it's not going to be because i had the best advisors uh it's not going to be because you know i was this uh you know rock star candidate it's going to be because god had his hand in things and uh, and I really oh, do absolutely. So I, I, I just I don't know if you guys addressed this or not being kind of a provincial, but also a national issue of Manchin and the fact that he may run as an independent, which I think would spur a lot of West Virginians to vote, whether they like the guy or they don't. I think it brings a lot to the electorate and especially in West Virginia. So would you be looking for a mansion endorsement or would you be looking to stay far away from that no, uh, I, or just I, maybe pick up some of those voters? There, there are things that I like about mansion and, uh, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, when there've been on a number of occasions where I've written all of my, you know, my representative and my two senators about issues. Um, I have never received a response from, uh, from Alex Mooney, my representative, uh, I've never received a response from uh, Senator Shellingmore Capito. However, both times I wrote uh, Mansion, I did get a response, and for that I, sure. I respect. Him. Uh, I, I don't agree with him on a lot of his votes. Uh, I don't. Uh, I think that you know he, like many other politicians, uh, is likely corrupted by the system. Uh, that's something that I'm praying and, and begging God not to allow to happen to me. 
Uh, I do see it as a, a real possibility because you've got, uh, there's just, you know, human nature being what it is and knowing how hard it is to campaign like this, where you're out there talking to people. I understand why politicians take the money so that they don't have to campaign so hard, uh, but I don't think it's right. I think campaigning hard is, is actually, it's been a good thing for me because it's forced me to get out there and meet the people and actually talk to them and understand their needs and the things that are concerned with them. I know what's important to me. But I don't know what's important to somebody who's 83 years old. I've never lived, you know, a walk a mile in their shoes. And so getting out there and talking to them, that's the only way I can find that out. Uh, it's been, you know, getting out there like I just got the endorsement of uh, the National Owner Operators Association. And, uh, you know, I don't know anything about, you know, the day in the life of a trucker and the the suffering and the things that they go through. But but. In me going out there and being forced to kind of, you know, meet people and talk to them and hear about their plight, uh, it's forced me to hear, you know, and learn about the, the issues that they deal with. And so now what's happened is where I started off with three pillars and those pillars are still there. Other issues are now becoming integrated with those three pillars that, you know, I didn't even consider before. My kids are grown. So I'm, my kids are not in the public school right now. You know, they're all adults. Um, you know, and and I had heard about, you know, this issue of the pornographic books. And of course, you know, I thought, oh, that's terrible. But it 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 wasn't a passionate issue for me until I went to a, a meeting in Parkersburg and a gentleman uh, in that meeting pulled out one of these books. And they were very, you know, being very activist and, and active on dealing with this, confronting this issue. And he showed the pictures that were in this book. And I was incensed by the by the end of it and realizing these people are 100 percent targeting our children. They're you know, pedophiles. And uh, and we've got to stop this and get these books out of the school. So these issues, um, I, I am becoming a a much more well-rounded candidate that will truly be representative of the people because of the lack of money, quite frankly, that I, I have. But that being said, I do need money. And then I'm going to need it, especially uh, as I get closer to the um, to the primary. And so, you know, for your audience, uh, you know, on here, Red Pill, uh, you know, I would just like to ask people, please pray and consider uh, donating to my campaign. You know, when I first started this, I didn't like asking people, but I'm now beyond that. And I, you know, I've, I've had to humble myself and realize I can't do this, you know, on my own. I need the help of, of everyday average citizens. And by the way, I've received donations from over 36 states and so you know uh, nice. uh, most of my donations have come from west virginia but i have donations that are coming in from everywhere uh you know i think number two um is like california for me and then you know and then uh, florida and then new york so you know i've got people from all over that are donating because they believe in me and they believe in what god is doing uh you know i think in this race and and um you know and they're hopeful uh, that somebody like myself wow. will get in so, hey, K- so Casey, I do. Uh, Casey, yeah, I just I, think uh, I wanted to yeah. give him a quick tip and how to network. Because I used to be a truck driver. I still could if I wanted to. But they are the one of the most informed populace of people out there because they listen to radio. They listen to podcasts. They're one of the most informed electorate out there. If you can network with any of the Canadian truck drivers, since you already got the uh, owner operators, utilize that to get into a network because they go all over the country. They go all over your state and they know what the issues are. 
And uh, when it comes to infrastructure, it comes to fuel prices, whatever, they're the ones that are eyes on the road. They're your best uh, tracking. Uh, they're the ones that are going to see the yard signs. They're the ones that are going to see the bumper stickers. They're the ones that are going to be able to help you out in well, the, the long only, run by getting the, only the word thing the out Canadians, on the road. Yeah, the only thing the Canadians could do would be to, you know, to spread the word around because uh, I can't yeah. take any money from them. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. Oh, oh, remember, remember, only Clinton can do that. <laughs> so, well, and, and, and if you're Russian, you know, that's right. That's or right. Ukrainian. All right. Sure listen, K- Casey, no. we, we got to take one of these next callers. We've got 25 minutes and four people on the line. Uh, thank you so much for calling in, brother. It's good to hear your voice. God, God yeah. You. you guys have a great weekend. God bless you, brother. All we'll see right. you. All right. Next caller coming in. And this caller is a Samsung SM-A526U. I'm sure that's not your name, dear. But uh, we're just waiting for the audio to connect. And, uh, caller, if you can hear me through the stream, then you just need to connect your microphone so that we can get your question on the air. We see your camera, but we don't have any audio. And, uh, hang on. There we go. Audio is connected. Welcome to the show. Can we get your name? Uh, it would be Cisco Lady Liberty. Darling. Cisco Lady Liberty. What's going on? How you doing? <laughs> Hi, baby. How are you? I'm excellent. So good to see you. First, let me please say to Nate, because once I start talking to Red Pill, Nate's going to go, who's this lady and why is she just talking to Red Pill? Nate, I have to tell you, you are an inspiration, my love. I have watched you you from the beginning. Just hearing the story, the clandestine and the hoodie, the whole, you know, come on, the things that you have put yourself you know, in between and trying to do what's right. You are an absolute inspiration. You have my prayers, you have my Thank love, you. and you have my thanks for this country. We need about a million of you. Um, you know, you're good. And don't feel bad that you've got so many little um, donations here and there because you're in really good company. You know whose company you're in? Trump's. Yep. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Telling you. That is how I red-pilled so many people where I work. I said, okay, if you're for, you know, little D, that's fine. Go see who is uh, backing him. Go look at the money. Do some research. Do the digging. You know, okay. I'm not going to do it for you. Go find out. And they said, wow, that t- that's really telling. I go say, go, who's paying for his rallies? You know, yeah. enough said. And if that doesn't do it, I don't know what does. So you're in good company, sweetie. You go give them hell. We'll get you in I there. Will. God bless all of these patriots listening. Okay, now I got to talk to my buddy here. I love you so much, Red Pill. I love you too, Cisco. Yes. We have been through this since day one. We've talked. We've gone through. And, you know, I'm going to say this right now. 17. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. But we wouldn't be here. Yeah. It's true. The marriages, the the friendships, the camaraderie, the 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 calmness, the knowing, mm-hmm. you know, it's yep. you know, I, I mean, it's amazing where we are. Um, again, you don't put everything in one basket. This isn't mm-hmm. a one basket deal here. This is a global movement. Mm-hmm. This is for humanity. And we are going to make it through. We will not lose it in the curve. We yep. will not lose it in the curve we're going to hang in there and we're going to get through all of this 
you know, and uh, you got to do what Nate, Nate has done. Red Pill has done. So many patriots have done. I've done in my small ways. Mm-hmm. You've got to find your niche. You've got to find what you can do, even if it's just helping a neighbor or or trying to wake somebody up. And I hate that term, but it's so true. Mm-hmm. You see what's happening to them when something clicks. Don't give up. There's so many people that don't talk to me anymore, and that's fine because I do a lot of talking myself. I have no problem. <laughs> so it's fine. The thing is, is people are separating. It's almost like the stand. I know yeah. that's a terrible term to think about, but it is a separating. People are picking a lane. Yeah. It's true. Pick a lane, stay in it, put your whole damn heart in it, and yep. don't let anybody get you down. You know, not the news or anything. 40,000 foot view people. Yep. This is it. We're in it. This is what we waited for. And we've we've got to dig in and we've we've got to do our part like Nate has, like Red Pill has. Hello, Lisa, you wonderful uh, person. And if you guys had called me, I'm a floral designer. With, I'm a wedding expert. I would have <laughs> done the flowers for free. Well, we haven't Why gotten married yet. We haven't gotten married yet. Yeah. So uh, listen, well, call me. send me. Well, I don't have your number. Send me the email after this and then we'll get a, we'll get on the phone. Because, you know, heck, I'll come help you. I'm in Jersey. I'm behind enemy lines. We're thinking about going to Florida. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about that. See where, you know. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely give you some ideas. Uh, we we we'll... do that for you. I mean, it's all I, you know, I mean, it's it would be magnificent. I promise you. I'm that would be good. so cool. Yeah. So good. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Lisa, Lisa's shown me lots of pictures of flowers. So I know she's got some ideas. to me. We start with the bouquet okay. and we go from there. There's nothing I can't do. You know, okay. I mean, when it comes to flowers, I wouldn't say that, you know, if it wasn't true. I but I it. love you guys. I know you got to go, darling. Love you too. But listen, anytime you need a boost, you call me. You are doing an outstanding job on Badlands. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of so many. And, and But you especially, because here's the deal, honey. You could see where you were questioning things. You could see where you had a little dip. And I'd, I'd be on this side going, come on, honey, come on, you know, you know, because it's been a hard, it's been a long, strange trip. Yes, it has. Look yes, it has. Where we are now. Look at where we are now. And you cannot quit no. in the last yardage of a race like this, right? No, not so at all. No. I love you. Email me. Let me see what I can do, even if it's just guidance. Okay. To save yeah. you some money. You know, I'd like to get, you know, you guys to get what you want and I'll help you. I got 35 years experience. If we can't get it done, nobody can. I sincerely appreciate that, Cisco. And somebody just fell in the kitchen. So that's great. Okay. (laughs) Much love. Thank you for calling. I love you. (laughs) All right. Have a great night. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye, baby. We'll see you. Appreciate you. Uh, Let me say thank you to Low Country Brooklyn over here on Rumble. She said the books are part of SEL, Social Emotional Learning, UN Agenda 2030. Nate, we need to stop ignoring the education system because SEL will be the single most reason the country falls. Not the border, not election integrity. Facts. She's right because uh, this has been the plan all along. And this was actually the plan of the Marxists on how they were going to bring down the United States and implement communism here. All they have to do is brainwash one generation of people. And they've basically done that. You know, the the this is a this is a difficult one when I say it. But, you know, the, the one thing we have on our side is, is that uh, by and large, this generation is not breeding. You know, either they're sterile because they've taken the jab or they're sterile because they're taking puberty blockers or they're just not having kids because they, they they believe that Greta Thunberg is correct and that the the world is going to uh, fall down and, and be destroyed if we don't end up stopping using 
fossil fuels or gasoline or whatever it might be. Uh, and then uh, Low Country Brooklyn also said, donate to Nate's campaign, please. And you can find this link in the description of this video. It's Nate Kane, N-A-T-E. C-A-I-N, the number four, WV.com. Nate Kane for WV.com. And then Rain, who just joined as a, uh, a member of the channel over on Rumble, says, Cisco Lady Liberty is 100% right. I don't know how I would have come out sane without all of you. I love you all. We love you too, Rain, and I'm so glad that you're here. And uh, I know like so many people... It has been really rough for a lot of us, you know, but Cisco's right. We have to be in this for the long haul. Uh, if you thought that uh, life was going to be uh, an easy journey, then somebody lied to you. You know, I mean, it's a series right. of hills and valleys. And, and you know, I mean, you get over one hill, you get down to the bottom, and then you got to start walking up to the top again. So, caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name? Hey, it's Will from California. Will, welcome back to the program. How you doing? Well, I'm I'm good, buddy. How's the corruption detection going? Oh, I, you know what? I I'm busting their asses every day. So <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Job. And Nate, you sound like a wonderful candidate. Uh, we appreciate the America First or MAGA, or in my case, it's Taco. That's taxpaying American citizens organization. <laughs> I like that. I love tacos too, so that works. We're, we're all of the same. We're all of the same uh, origination point, I think. Um, yes. Some of us just a little more tied to different people, but uh, we we are all just common sense out here, and it truly is a uniparty. I think the oxymoron of the day, uh, in everybody's case, we overlook uh, the very first point of winning an election. I think today's oxymoron is election integrity. Um we really need to start, I think, from the very basis. And uh, I'm not sure how I feel about uh, all of this uh, new coming to ballot harvesting and collecting and trying to compete with the uh, originators of the uh, of the the cheat or the steal. I just don't think we can compete. I think we are better focused on people like Carrie Lake that continue to stand up and continue to fight. And uh, no matter what happens with you, Nate, we appreciate you. And I understand you're a grandfather. I am. I am a brand new uh, grandfather. And in fact, my uh, grandson was born on uh, the uh, West Virginia day. And so he shares a birthday with the state that I live in and love. That's great. Well, let me say let me say this. You know, I mean, I think that uh, patriots hear the term ballot harvesting and everybody immediately bristles because the idea of it seems so scandalous to us. I mean, it seems like, you know, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. And in that, with that being said, in certain states, it's an illegal practice. The Democrats engage in it regardless. Uh, and so that puts us at a distinct disadvantage. But in the states where it is legal, I, I think that we have a responsibility to use every tool that we can in order to match them at the game that they're playing. And, you know, I, I feel like the time for formalities and niceties uh, are over. I mean, this is a blood sport at this point. And so whatever we need to do to get out the vote, I think we have to. I agree with you. We, we should do everything within the letter of the law and we should be uh, civilized about it. But, you know, I mean, if somebody is uh, pissing on my head, don't tell me it's raining. You know, we, we, we need to we, we, we got to do what we got to do. 
Well, you know, it's it's hard to compete with the originators uh, of of all of that stuff, and I think I agree. we really need to consider the differentiation between uh, actually uh, collecting ballots and 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 voters and votes. There's mm-hmm. such a difference, you know, yeah. especially when you own the the corrupt voter rolls and you pull them out when when it's necessary. Yeah. And to go on for weeks and months, you know, they've just got all the stops pulled out. Very tough to compete with, but we just need more boots on the ground. And thank God some of the uh, patriots are coming to the call and people are showing up now and and trying to get a grip and make sure that what goes on is as close to reality as possible. I would still like to see one vote, one person on a piece of paper and voter ID. But I, 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 agree. I think my dream is, is yet to be realized. Yeah, so Nate, this is something that I think a lot of patriots want. It's very simple. Uh, One of the reasons the Democrats and, well, let's just say the Uniparty has been so successful in deciding who our leaders are is because they control the system that's corrupt from its core that they actually implemented. And uh, for the most part, Nobody seems to want to change it because at one point or another, Democrats and Republicans have both benefited from the system that they've put in place. Uh, So, you know, I mean, is it too much to ask that we have one vote, one day, piece of paper, voter ID? I mean, it seems like a very simple thing that could be implemented all across the country. Just, you know, unify the election code in that respect. You get get rid of everything else. No more tabulators, no more electronic voting machines, uh, no problems with uh, ballots being printed on the wrong size paper like they purposefully did in Maricopa County. I mean, it just negates all of the problems. So so there is a this is a this is an issue I'm actually quite familiar with. I spent um, a fair amount of time actually involved in election integrity after the 2020 election, including uh, you know, including being asked by the White House to come down and, and join a team that was providing information to uh, Peter Navarro. And then I did some work also with um, uh, with Judge Gableman up in Wisconsin as well. Um, what I can tell you is this, is that even if you had, say, you know, a perfect set of rules and you unified it, they're still going to cheat. Mm-hmm. And the reason they're going to still cheat is because there are laws right now that exist that are not being followed. A perfect example, case in point, is uh, uh, the Civil Rights Act of 1968, which requires that every um, record that is is uh, pertinent to voting in an election has to be maintained for two years after an election, after federal election. And uh, you had the FBI themselves shredding documents down in Georgia. You have multiple cases of people, um, you know, deleting uh, records. Uh, I think it was in Antrim County. They deleted the records of the adjudication, uh, you know, workstation, which is the only machine that you can actually change votes on uh, that you're allowed to. And uh, and so so my concern is, is that what we have that's a greater problem than even the rules that we have, on, you know, on the table is that we have no law and order. Mm-hmm. There is no rule of law right now. And so we have to correct that. I have some ideas on on how to address these issues of rule of law, but it's kind of like the border crisis. You know, we could come up with all the immigration changes and rules and things to fix the problem, but unless we cut off border and get the wall all the way across and stop people from just, you know, walking into our country, Mm -hmm. uh, there's no, there's no, it's almost a a fruitless effort uh, to try to fix everything else. So I think the first thing that we have to fix 
is we have to fix uh, the way that we adjudicate uh, these violations of the law. Yeah. Um, the, the FBI is not going to go after people uh, that are, that are uh, Democrats. You know, they, they're just not going to. It's true. Uh, they have uh, they have no intent. I look at it like this. I actually think that the FBI at this point is the paramilitary wing of the Democrat Party. They do the bidding of the Democrat Party yep. and they go after Americans and they try to crush them uh, for political reasons. Uh, they they use you know bullcrap charges, uh, you know, and and uh, they use uh, opposition research done by you know by the Democrat candidate uh, to you know hamstring and and go after you know a sitting president. If they're willing to do that, they're willing to do anything. And so I don't trust anything. Uh, I don't want I don't want the FBI or the DOJ anywhere near our elections. In fact, I don't want um, you know this is why. So this is the the paradox though. People will say, you know, I'm for states' rights, um, you know, where other people want, you know, more federal laws. I don't want more federal laws. I am for states' rights. But I also recognize that states have just as much corruption as the federal government. Mm -hmm. It's just at a more local level. So people need to get involved uh, in their local states. They need to get involved in uh, their precincts. They need to get involved uh, you know, in in communicating with their delegates and, uh, you know, because ultimately election law comes from the state. It does not come from the federal government. Uh, in fact, the Constitution makes that clear. The problem is, and, and I do think, by the way, I, I think we need a, uh, a constitutional amendment uh, to, I would be all for a constitutional amendment to, um, to basically say we all vote on the same day mm -hmm. and we all vote in the same way. National you know, holiday. And, yeah. And that a national holiday. And it includes, uh, you know, and I think people should absolutely have a, a right to, um, um, uh, you know, to to we absolutely have to make sure that we have IDs, you know, and that we know these people who are voting, that people are not voting who are not eligible to vote. And I'm talking primarily of illegal aliens, especially the number of illegals that are coming into the country. Um, I, I have major concerns about that. A lot uh, of but, dead people too. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt. And there's yeah. things there's, everybody knows what's going on, but the fact is, is that nobody enforces the law. So we have to go after those that are enforcing the law. And, and I think the state, um, I think they have, you know, they have the interest and the right uh, to bring down, you know, these people who are committing, you know, uh, crimes in the elections. But right now, the crime for destroying a record pertinent to election, it's a thousand dollar fine. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it may be, I think, up to five years in jail. You know why it's that low? Because it was done back in 1968 was when the last time they adjusted those numbers. Wow. Uh, we've had major inflation. I think it should be a ten thousand dollar fine. Yeah. And, you know, for each offense. Yes. You know, and I think that, the, you know, honestly, the penalty for, um, you know, for outright fraud in an election it should be severe to me it, it is on the um you know you are are essentially you're 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 messing with the most sacred act that we do you know in regards to our country which is voting and so somebody who commits outright fraud i think should go to jail for you know 20 years oh i agree uh, I don't think you should, know that's really that's really one of the one of the issues today and another oxymoron is law enforcement, obviously, mm -hmm. yep. and there are plenty of laws on the books and the machinery is just absolutely needs to be totally investigated. We've looked yes. at the uh, at the at the manuals for this, these machines. Well, 
And the, they, these, they say outright that, that they do yeah. connect to the Internet and that they do That's fractionally right. vote. There's yes. no question and, and, about it. And, and on, on that note, you know, these machines, by the way, came about by federal regulation. So there's your problem. Uh, the federal yep. government, after, you know, the whole hanging chat incident, said we're going to create this law called HAVA and it's going to fund, you know, the, the purchase of all of these machines. Anytime the federal government gets involved with setting aside money for something, uh, I think people need to be skeptical because, um, you know, there's only a handful of companies that make, you know, election equipment. And by the way, you know, one of the mistakes that I felt happened with a lot of these teams that were involved in, uh, you know, investigating election integrity uh, is that they targeted and went after Dominion. The reason I say that is because I saw evidence of vote flipping that happened with not only Dominion, but with ES and S and with Oh, Hearts. yeah. Oh, yeah. So it happened across the board. And by them targeting um, Dominion, they opened themselves up for a lawsuit and, uh, you know, and discrediting them and making it look like it was just they were going. After. It was easy. It was an easy target because there were Democrats that were, you know, directly involved, including, uh, you know, the former um, manager of the George Soros's uh, foundation, you know, was involved in, you know, ownership of uh, Dominion and all of that. So it was an easy target. But the problem was, is it, it totally negated the fact that you had the same thing happening with other um, electronic voting machines as well that were popular and in use. In Michigan, uh, uh, in Antrim and in Oakland County and in Wayne County, there was vote flipping that happened on Hart Civic machines that was to the extent that it actually changed the outcome of the election. And then when they did a hand count, they had to basically reverse uh, who they said, you know, had won. Uh, and then there's also there was a lot of cheating that was done just by good old fashioned ballots stuffing, uh, but now on steroids because of the uh, mail in ballots and the drop boxes. And so, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, in my opinion, should have been brought up on charges for interfering in the election. And I think there's you know potential conspiracy there uh, to, you know, because uh, one of the things that was brought, uh, brought to light was that they uh, he paid for these drop boxes, but they they uh, intentionally put them. Uh, you know, at much higher concentrations in, you know, inner cities and areas that had high Democrat voting and other areas that did not did not get these boxes. And so there's so much corruption and uh, it, it is a big problem for the states, but the state legislatures is where it needs to be fixed until we can get a constitutional amendment. And uh, I'm very skeptical, you know, of uh, the federal government's involvement in any yeah. of this, I think. Uh, well, they, I honestly, even the, they want even to control the, even elections. Even the state, uh, Nate, uh, uh, what do you think about the this, what we've just heard about Brad Raffensperger from uh, uh, Georgia, uh, actually been given orders to change, uh, 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 patch uh, some of the uh, faulty uh, oh, machinery, yeah. and he says he can't do it until after the election. What is that? Yeah, Nate, yeah, so, Nate I'm, so I'm going to get... Nate, after, after your thoughts on this, we've got to take the next two callers, and Will, I just want sure. to let you know that. Go ahead, Nate. So I'll just quickly answer that question. So um, I, I am I know the the uh, uh, voting system standards and the uh, voluntary voting systems guidelines, uh, which were put out by the e EAC to replace the voting system standards. I know those like the back of my hand, and I can tell you um, that uh, there is a sp very specific process for getting an election uh, an electronic voting machine certified and maintaining that certification. And part of maintaining that certification is regular patch management. And it has to go through a process by which it gets approved and validated that 
that clatch is not going to make any, um, um, you know, basically any material changes to the system's function. And they have to run certain tests to make sure that the uh, uh, that the that those changes, those patches, and stuff like that have not changed uh, the error rate of the machine. It's a very complicated system, and it requires certification. And they're not doing it, and uh, they're violating the law. So again, it comes down to um, you know no enforcement of the law in regards to this stuff because uh, those guidelines are not guidelines. For one thing, they they named it guidelines, but the reality is is under HAVA which is the Help America Vote Act, uh, they are required under the law. They are actually mandated. And, all right. uh, and they're, they're violating them all the time and not doing it. So no, it's, to, it's, 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 it's the worst. I mean, this is uh, the underpinning of all of our problems is that the law is simply not being enforced or when it's being enforced, it's arbitrary and it's uh, for their own political gain. Will, I want to say thanks uh, for calling again tonight, buddy. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Zach. And best of luck, Nate. God bless you, brother. We'll see you next time. All right, you guys, we've got two callers on the line. We're going to bring them in and then we're going to be closing it out for the night. We'll get Nate's final thoughts. Caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name? Yes, this is DJ. DJ, so good to hear your voice, man. How you been? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, buddy? Excellent. Excellent. I told you since the last time I spoke on your show, I can't get anything live on Rumble. It still will not work. Let, let me ask you this: uh, What are, are are you making sure that your browser is uh, like updated to the most recent version? So, so usually I watch a show on TV, okay, because I have internet with my TV, and um, you know, usually when I'm talking to you, I'm watching the show on TV, but now I'm not because okay. it won't work on TV. I cannot get anything, nothing, no show live on my TV anymore. Wow. No show from Rumble. I would say from Rumble. So I wonder if maybe the – well, because, I mean, if it's a smart TV, those require updates too. Have you checked to see if there's an update for that? I'm going to try it. I, okay. I'm not sure on how to do that, but I will try it. If you go to your settings, like, you know, I, I, I don't know what kind of TV it is, but I know that every single smart TV has a, uh, if you hit the menu button, you can go to settings and there will be something in there about a software update. And uh, you may need to connect to your Wi-Fi or some TVs have an Ethernet cable you can plug into the back to make it uh, uh, run a little bit quicker. But I, I would try that. One thing I'll, I'll also say is that a lot of technology today has built-in obsolescence, and so yeah. after a while, it begins to stop working. So if it's an older TV, uh, and and you don't see any additional, um, you know, patches or anything like that, uh, it, it could very well be that they've designed this thing to break after time. Yeah, that's I, very true. I, well, well, I will I will say this: the TV is only like three years old, and it's a two thousand dollar TV. It shouldn't well, be obsolete already. Yeah, you should be fine. <laughs> you should, should be not fine. Be obsolete. Um, all right. Well, Otherwise, DJ, what's on your mind tonight? Well, um, well, there's a lot of stuff, but anyway, I'm going to say this. I'm going to try to be quick as quick as possible. Nate, I support you, and I wish you good luck in your Thank in you. your run. You're welcome. You deserve it. Um, the other is a couple of things. Uh, I mean, as you know, I'm in New York mm -hmm. and I live right on the Hudson. And over the past week, I couldn't believe how many military aircraft were flying up and down the Hudson. Like even an F-18. <laughs> I was outside smoking a cigarette here. 
And I look up and an F-18 just zooms right by. I was like, wow, they are really ramping things up. Let, so let me actually let me actually parlay off of this because I, this is uh, this might play into something I want to ask Nate about. Nate, I'm sure you're aware that uh, uh, many state and federal systems are experiencing a uh, a massive hack by what is uh, purported to be a Russian hacking collective. I can't remember their name, um, but uh, uh, but obviously they have uh, hacked into these systems through a vulnerability. They are demanding payments of Bitcoin to uh, uh, give control back over to the state, the federal agencies and then the state governments. Um, and I saw someone in the chat say something about how yesterday we came very close to World War III. Um, I, I've heard a lot of talk recently, Nate, about increased military activity. I know that NATO is running um, a major operation in Germany, and so perhaps there was a transfer of equipment for that. I thought maybe this hack might have something to do with increased military activity. Maybe, you know, they got to clear out bases or, or just cover their cover their bases. Um, and then also today, right before we went on the air, there's reports of uh, Russian troops moving into Moscow and some of the larger cities because word on the street is that the Wagner mercenary forces are marching back into Russia after essentially kicking the, the tar out of Ukraine uh, to, uh, to, to run a coup on Vladimir Putin. So I don't know. Uh, any thoughts on any of this stuff, Nate? Um, you know, I've had a career uh, working in the military for a very long time. Uh, I'm not currently working in the military, and even if I was, I probably couldn't talk about what's going on. But since I'm not working for the military, I can speculate. Uh, there are various military exercises that happen all the time. Mm -hmm. And I get I get phone calls and emails and text messages from people that will say they'll send me a video of, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, Bradley fighting vehicles or A1 Abrams tanks being moved on trains and stuff like that across, you know, the country. And, uh, you know, they'll be concerned, um, you know, or they'll see a lot of you know flights and stuff like that of military activity um i would just suggest that the the likelihood is that there's probably some sort of military exercise going on uh, there's a few standard military exercises that are pretty large in scope that happen you know uh, quarterly throughout the year and then like there's one that happens like once a year and then there's regional ones that they have but you know things can change and certain certainly if there's circumstances that are going on in the world they may have increased their uh, military operations uh, it also could be uh, that they are moving troops around because, uh, you know, for posturing, uh, you know, where if they see, you know, uh, an increase in, you know, uh, military troops being moved, you know, to a certain region of, you know, Russia or whatever, you know, to to their west coast or whatever, then maybe we're moving more of our troops to the east coast to, you know, to compensate. So those, I wouldn't take too much in, I would not read too much into the movement of troops. Now, the hacking thing is a whole nother map. Um, my uh, job prior to going to the FBI was I worked for Marfor Cyber. I was on what was called the Cyber Protection Team, and we were detached to NSA. Our job was to basically prevent or, or not prevent. We were called when uh, when a system was already breached, and we were brought in. I was part of a DCI hunt team, and we were brought in to basically um, you know find the hackers and uh, and get them out of the system safely. And we had to use uh, uh, obfuscation techniques that basically hack into the system ourselves and take over a process. And, and that way they couldn't detect us there either because they might start destroying stuff if we get in there and they knew we were in. Um, I was trained in some really like some of the world's best training, you know, ever uh, that the NSA gave me. 
And one of the things that has concerned me, and I've actually brought this up at several speeches and meetings and stuff that I've been doing across the state, is that, uh, you know, a lot of us have seen these uh, chemical plants, um, you know, or farms or, you know, factories uh, that have exploded and, uh, you know, blown up and, you know, had major fires. Um, that you had the train derailment, uh, you know, that happened. There's there's all these things that are going on around the world and 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 going on around the United States, and they're increasing in number. Uh, I was trained on a lot of this stuff. There's some called industrial control systems in SCADA, and a lot of these systems are basically automated systems that run factories, that maintain temperatures, that maintain, you know, chemical mixes and things like that. And if somebody's able to hack in and make one smite, you know, one you know, slight change uh, or, or you know, hack into, you know, a system that maybe controls, you know, uh, you know, the braking system on a train or controls, you know, the, the movement of a track, um, then, then they're able to reap all kinds of havoc. I believe that we've been under a steady, you know, steadily growing um, a set of attacks from our enemies. And, uh, and they're, they're able to do it in a way that uh, is virtually impossible to prove where it came from. This is the big misnomer that everybody, you know, most people don't know. Uh, it is almost impossible to prove where a hack came from unless you are able to obtain the original server, you know, that that the hack came from. So if you're a foreign, um, you know, country and you want to hack, say, America, um, you know, you hop through multiple machines until you get to one that's not in your country and you attack country that you want to go to and it becomes very difficult uh to you know follow that back uh, to its origin there are some techniques um honey tokens and things like that that can be used but largely they're not used because of fears that you know if somebody's using a machine uh that's not theirs that they've stolen essentially hacked into and you send something back that causes destruction or whatever then it would leave the government liable and and this sort of thing so i think this whole the whole system needs to be um overran and 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 redone uh, our laws and the ways that international laws and ways that we deal with these types of things. Um, I do think that in some cases uh, where you know you have like say a water treatment plant that gets hacked uh, to where you know it can you know the chemicals are changed to where it can poison people. I consider that an act of war. Or if you're destroying um, national critical infrastructure, uh, you know food manufacturing, uh, electric grid, uh, those to me are acts of war. Uh, but the burden of proof of where it came from is is where the difficulty lies. Uh, it's not like, you know, you can just pick up the uranium uh, or the, you know, the, and, and you know, test to see where, you know, it came from. Uh, it's very hard to prove where something comes from. Uh, and and I, I don't really trust, um, I've seen it happen. I, I was actually on a mission once where um, where there were demands being made from a very, very high-ranking individual, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, they wanted to know, uh, they wanted attribution, they wanted to know who did it, and they were not going to take, uh, we can't find out who did it for an answer. And so the team lead basically said, well, you know, it had some Russian code in there, so we're going to say Russia. Give and, them a fall uh, guy. Fact, yeah, but the fact is that Russian code had been exposed eight years prior. So the fact that, you know, the likelihood of a Russian using burnt code like that that already been exposed is, is very unlikely because nation states, they're constantly developing new code. They have what they call polymorphic code, which changes. I mean, there, there's there's so many ways uh, to identify it. And you can find certain patterns and, and you can guesstimate, but guesstimating, 
you know, on where the origin of something came from. Uh, you know, like, let's say that, you know, it came from Hungary, you know, uh, well, you know, what if it's a, you know, a organized crime unit in Hungary? Are we mm -hmm. going to hold the Hungarian government, you know, uh, responsible? So, so we have a major problem. These things need to get resolved. Hopefully, if I can get into Congress, I have a lot of knowledge in this area. And this is an area that I think I would be well suited to be on a committee to address and and try to, you know, come up with some solutions and and maybe some policy on how to deal with these problems and address them in terms of attribution. And uh, I think probably one of the best ways would be to, you know, build, um, you know, start developing systems that, you know, basically when somebody hacks you uh, and they don't belong there, you know, that it, it sends data downstream to them, uh, you know, that then you can trace out. But, um, and that's, that's called, you know, using like honey tokens and stuff. I like and, it. But you, yeah, you would need to change the law so that, that um, if, if somebody uses, uh, here's the way I look at it. If somebody steals your gun and they use it to kill somebody, uh, you're not held responsible for that necessarily. But the government is going to take your gun and you're not getting it back. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. if somebody uses a, you know, if, if I don't have my computer secured and somebody hacks into my computer and then uses it to attack somebody else, um, I think it's perfectly reasonable uh, to have defenses set up that you know, could potentially destroy my own computer. Uh, that's only fair. You know, people need to be able to defend themselves. And uh, and I think uh, especially our, our government's critical infrastructure. But I don't like the idea of, of uh, utilizing attribution in, in cyber warfare as a, as a means for detecting, um, you know, where somebody, you know, where this thing came from and then using that as a justification for war or military action because of the fact that, uh, it can be so easily, uh, you know, misguided or, or, or tricked. Well, and especially right now, I mean, it's quite clear that there's a, a, a major faction in the current administration that wants to push us into World War III right. with Russia. I, I, and, and, that, and that's really that's that's probably even more uh, of a reason for me is I don't trust the government. I inherently don't trust the government. I think that there are people in there who would absolutely make the claim. Uh, you know, that this attribution came from China or came from Russia or came from wherever, you know, so that they could get us into a war. Uh, remember, when when we go to war, uh, you know, the big uh, military industrial complex makes a lot of money. Just right. like just like right. just like when we have a pandemic, uh, you know, the pharmaceutical industry makes a lot of money. Absolutely. I, I, I tell that to people about war all the time and I give them the example. Imagine if you sold shoelaces. You know, and you're selling like a million shoelaces a year, and then you get awarded a, a government contract to sell shoelaces, and then we go to war. How many more shoelaces do you think you're going to sell? Oh, you yeah. sell yeah. a whole lot more. That's you know? right. So that, that's the comparison I make. But not to change subject, but to right. change the subject, you, you tapped on it a little bit, Nate. And I've watched a lot of these board meetings in schools with teachers, and I don't know why. I have no idea why no one comes out and just says it. You know, child pornography is yeah. banned in most of the world. I would yeah. say all, but most of the world. And it's definitely banned in the United States. And why Sorry. doesn't somebody just come up and say, this is child pornography, this is a crime, what you're so, doing, and you should be and will be held to the fullest yeah. extent of the law. So I've had I've had my friends in Parkersburg that have actually done that. They've taken the law to the uh, local police or the local sheriffs and said, "Look, uh, this meets the standard 
And, you know, this is pornography. Uh, this is lascivious behavior uh, when somebody shows a child this book or when the, the school library is allowing this book to be checked out by eight-year-olds that shows, you know, two men, um, you know, having anal sex. I mean, that's really the kind of disgusting stuff uh, that is in these books, you know, and of course they do it with cartoon pictures, but it's still the same disgusting stuff. And the thing is, is um, what they're doing is, uh, you know, they are engaging in lascivious behavior towards a child. This is a sexual offender, you know, type of uh, charge that needs to happen. Right. Um, but the problem is, is here's what happens. The, the, um, the police, and, and I, I was a, I was a, a city councilman for, for one term uh, about 25 years ago. And, and I, I could totally see how this happens. You'll have the police chief uh, and he will go to the city attorney and he will ask the city attorney, hey, you know, are we able to you know, bring somebody in on this? And the city attorney, uh, you know, who may be a liberal, you know, says, no, that's considered art. That's protected under First Amendment. And uh, and so then the police will refuse to do anything about it because they don't have any backbone. So. This is where I think, um, you know, there's a there's a great group called uh, Tactical Civics. Um, I've been talking with them, learning uh, about some of the things that they've talked about. And there's something called the People's Grand Jury. Uh, I think we need to bring it back. And uh, in the People's Militia, which is not a militia in the way that people think of when they think about that word. I'm not talking about armed guys out in the woods, you know, uh, you know, spreading white supremacy. No, I'm talking about um, a People's Militia, which is basically trained citizens that are voluntarily part of a law enforcement uh, unit of the people. And they do, they are the, the essentially the sword, if you will, of the people's grand jury. So you have a grand jury, um, you know, that is brought together by citizens. And then they have a, a group of citizens that under the law uh, are charged with going and arresting public officials. This is needed not only for local politics, but also I believe at the federal level. Uh, I don't believe that the police uh, will ever uh, you know, and just like the FBI, I don't believe we'll ever, um, you know, uh, inve truly investigate themselves without bias. And I don't believe that it's in the nature of the DOJ uh, to indict themselves or one of their subordinates. Um, just like I don't think that local police, you know, I don't think a, a, a U.S. attorney who oftentimes has to work with the police is going to arrest, you know, uh, officers of the law. Um, it might happen more often you know, in, in local police than it does at the FBI. But nonetheless, there is a problem in that you have an inherent conflict of interest. And so I believe uh, that is why we need, a, a, in a way, a separate um, system of justice uh, for those who carry out justice. And, uh, and I'm, I'm pushing for, and I've talked a lot about something called an Article I tribunal, uh, which I think um, the, you know, people's or the citizens grand jury could bring, uh, bring charges uh, and and bring them to you know uh, through an Article One tribunal, which is a, a, essentially a court under Article One, Section Eight of the U.S. Constitution uh, that can be set up by Congress and appointed with um, you know basically those seats, those judges filled by congressional appointees. And uh, you know these don't need to be people who are in the court system. In fact, I would suggest that it would should not be because they may be compromised. And so okay. you want you want people who are you know, retired military, uh, maybe retired judges could be fine, but you don't want anybody that's currently in the judicial system. Um, and they need to be people who, of course, understand, they have to qualify and understand in, in the Constitution and, and be, you know, more moral character and whatnot. But I think this is something that could be done. And, 
but it's going to be it's not it's not going to be it's going to be a challenge it's going to take a simple majority uh we need to get both the house and the senate in order to make something like that happen but we already have article one courts um for different purposes uh, we have one that's the u.s tax court and we could put something like that together for adjudicating uh agency issues is what they what the constitution says that it's for and we could do it for adjudicating uh deprivation of rights under color of law or corruption within you know uh, within the justice department and law enforcement including those at the state and local level as well as the federal i like that uh dj i, I want to get your final idea. Yeah, DJ, I hate to do this, but I, we've only we got one caller left and we're 20 minutes over. So I want to get your final thoughts for Nate so we can get that last caller and sign off for the night. OK, here's here's my final thoughts. First of all, uh, when it comes to war, we can save a lot of lives if we just have the leaders of the opposing co- countries do a dance off. That's the first thing. <laughs> the second like thing is that we can fix this voter integrity, voter vulnerability thing, and we can do primaries and a general election all in one day, just line everybody up and have an elimination rock, paper, scissors contest. Whoever the winner is becomes president. There it is. There we go. That's it. I just eliminated war. I just eliminated <laughs> cheating in elections. I just eliminated a lot of problems that we have. I love anyway, it. Anyway, as you know, that's a joke. Yes, listen, of course. Guys, <laughs> listen, guys, I love you. I know you love us. God bless you both, and God bless America. Later, God bless baby. you, brother. God bless we'll talk you to you well. soon. See you, DJ. Bye-bye. All right. Final caller of the evening. Caller, thank you so much for your patience. Can we get your name, and may, will you mute that stream in the background? Yeah, I already muted it, brother. How you doing? Oh, good, Colin. Good to hear from you, buddy. How you been? I've been so busy. I'm just eating breakfast, and that's the only reason I'm able to call. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's probably a good thing. So, tell me, what's on your mind? Well, there's a whole lot, and you really should have me on because it's. Oh, we just lost Colin. Are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, you we there? lost. We lost you for a second. Go ahead, continue. Okay. Well, anyway, so Nathan, hello, and and thank you so much uh, for what you're doing. I wanted to say a few things, um, and and you know the way I usually do it, Zach, is to ask a quick question. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm going to ask you: Is Congress corrupt? Absolutely. Uh, what yes, would you say is. if I told you no? Congress is not corrupt. You think I was crazy, right? But this is why, if you know, because I did terror missiles uh, in the military, and the one thing you have to do is make sure that you have the proper target. If you think that Congress is corrupt, then you have the wrong target because there is no such person, man or woman, called Congress. It is the people that are in Congress that are corrupt. You follow that me? That is true. Yes, I understand what you're okay. saying. So the institution knowing, in and of itself is not corrupt, but the people yeah, in it are. Exactly. Knowing that, knowing that, so then how do we do this? Now, who do you want out of office? Name one person. If you have the opportunity and you could pay me $50 and I would remove them within about a week. Who name two or three people that you would have removed? Adam Schiff for one. Yeah, uh, he he directly he directly buried the information that I brought forward. So you know I know for a fact okay. that he's corrupt. Um, could you name? I'm pretty sure you could probably name a couple of the thousand people directly, couldn't you? Sure, good. Okay, now why? Because they're corrupt. Now here's something that's interesting, and then God gave this to me about seven years ago, maybe going on eight now. I actually um, 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 
you know, Zach is the only one that's allowed me to have a voice. And thank you so much, Zach, because it's becoming more and more and more and more important every single day when I'm sharing here. I know I'm the last caller and always rush for time, but I'm asking people to please, please, please seriously consider the concept of mandatory competency testing. This is what God has shown me. Okay. It is so simple. You yourself have said it's, 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 um, what did you call it? Deceptively uh, uh, simple. Uh, deceptively. Yes. Yes. And the thing that's so beautiful about mandatory competency testing is God has shown me over and over and over again that the people that are corrupt, such as uh, um, uh, the idiot you just mentioned, Adam Schiff, they, yes, because Shifty, I call them other things. <laughs> um, but the point is, is that they are so arrogant, they will storm off, call you a racist, and they will never take the test. Now, the beauty here, and this is what showed me, just like you cannot read the Bible and walk away and be the same man that you were before. You cannot pray and have prayers come true and be the same man that you were before. The same thing is true when they when they are forced because, oh, my gosh, maybe you call it an entry exam to college. I don't know. Maybe you're supposed to have some sort of pass some sort of test to get in almost every job in the world except for these. It makes no sense whatsoever. Article 6 requires them to swear an oath to support the Constitution. You can't support something. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think that uh, there should be some sort of means test in terms of their understanding of the uh, Constitution. Uh, it blows my mind that you got people in the, you know, in Congress uh, you know, who don't even know, um, you know, about uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the separation right. of powers or they don't understand, you know, the various uh, roles that, you know, people have uh, or that different exactly. uh, you know, parts of government have. So, yeah, it, it, is, it exactly. is insane. Now, where does Congress come from? It comes from the local towns in every state, don't they? Mm-hmm. Sorry, say that again. I said, where do the senators and congressmen and, and most of those people where do they remember all the powers in, in the congressional hands? Okay. But so where does it come from? Unfortunately, almost all of them are committing treason because they're members of the BAR association. Okay. So that's a whole issue that when you go and focus on everything, in fact, I'm on the move right now with, with somebody else to, uh, to um, um, expose them. Let's put it that way. Anyway, the point is if we, put it out there and consistently make it part of our conversation. If Trump or somebody like yourself, somebody who has some influence was to say, people, I want you to get up off your couch. I want you to go down to your legislature in numbers. And I want you to get this legislation passed and watch what happens. We're going to have to pass it sooner or later. Anyway, the question is how many more millions and millions of people are going to have to suffer and die until the people say, Oh, I guess maybe I'll go down to my local legislature and get MCT passed. It, yeah. This is the, it, I don't mean to be sarcastic, but I've been watching and crying and in and, and pain, watching the people dying and suffering because they haven't taken up the one weapon they have, which is to go down to their local legislature, get mandatory competency testing passed and watch what happens. Only the people think about this. You're going to remove. There's an old saying. If you have a hole in your boat, plug the hole first. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the first thing is you remove them. And even if we couldn't find honorable uh, knowledgeable people to get into office, that office probably isn't needed anyway. The point is, <laughs> yeah. it is such, there is no other way. I am in court, like you wouldn't believe, so many, so many cases going on. It has gotten so bad that literally we have now written the court and asked them what laws are they, uh, what laws do they recognize and are they uh, willing to, you know, or do they stand underneath the state laws? No response from the court itself, which turns out to be a corporation, by the way, a for-profit corporation. Yeah. So we don't have any courts that are not corrupted 
by the VAR. So how do we go after this? It's impossible. I mean, even if you fight, they've got everything rigged. But mandatory well, competition we had one thing yeah. that they can't do anything about. Well, we, we've had standards in the past, um, you know, that, that were mean standards. Like, for example, um, you know, you could not be a member of Congress if you were a communist. Uh, that was done away with by, uh, you know, by uh, the, the Democrat Congress under Obama. And, you know, the, the reason and the justification for that was that that political philosophy is incompatible with, uh, you know, a, a um, you know, representative uh, republic. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think it's, it's important that we do have certain means tests. Um, you know, we have them for everything else. You know, I'm yeah. like, literally, uh, I could not work in my my job if I could not get a clearance. And, uh, you know, I think a, and, and a clearance, you know, it doesn't it's not a guarantee you know, to, to, um, you know, get everyone that, you know, that might be corrupt, but, you know, a clearance, you have to pass a, a basic background uh, clearance uh, to get, get a, a single scope background investigation. Uh, they're digging into your finances. They're digging into, you know, your, your um, habits and, and things like that um, in order to identify whether or not you are somebody who is, who is um, worthy of being kept, uh, you know, in the line of secrets, you know, uh, if you're, if you're not somebody uh, if you're somebody that has the, the a lifestyle that would lead you to be tempted, for example, to be bribed, um, like you have, you know, excessive debt, things like that, uh, that's enough to keep you out of, uh, you know, having a clearance. And I, I think that those kind of similar standards probably need to be applied to members of Congress as well. But yes, and and the one thing I also want to put it out there for people until we get mandatory competency testing passed. By the way, you can find it on um, crackingeggshells.com. And I'll give you my new email, um, 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 Zach, that I, I just put together here. It's called okay. MC, all uppercase, MCT, N -O, lowercase N-O-W. So it's MCT, all uppercase, N-O-W, um, at proton.me, proton.me. So it's much easier for people to get. Okay. But if you go there, you can find it. It's called, um, it's still under the old name. I haven't changed it yet, but it's under uh, proposed uh, continued competency training. But um, what I want to share with other people in the meantime, we have found out that none of these people have the proper oath. And, and there's a video, I'll try to send it to you, the link to you, because the guy in about five minutes lays it out beautifully what we've been trying to do for a long time. He did it beautifully, where basically you, you get them on the stand and you ask them, do you have an oath? And they you show them the oath that they have, the written one, the certified one, and you have them read it. And then you hand them the one that the law requires. And they say, does that look like that one? No. So you get them to admit on the stand that they don't have a proper oath in place and haven't all this time, which means everything they've done is void of an issue. So I wanted to share this with people. There's a case going on right now. I believe you guys know about it, which is a core warranto where the prosecutor is being uh, brought up under core warranto uh, and, and asked, why are you not doing your job? In other words, um, it's a beautiful thing because we've been using core warrantos in the other way. By what authority are you engaged in this activity? Well, here it's the reverse. By what authority are you failing to do your duty? So I think this is extremely powerful for the people who have the, the balls and the know-how to do it. And if you don't have the balls yourself, go find some other people and come together. You'd be surprised. It really makes you guys feel more fierce and, and learn about this stuff because sooner or later, the people have to learn the law. We are the law. Mm -hmm, this is the thing. Right. People don't understand. We are the law. We're the ones who make the law. We're the ones that created that position in the first place for a specific purpose, that to secure these rights government's institute among men. So once people know these things and have memorized it, then all of a sudden it gets into your heart and it's impossible for them to con 
to, to be corrupted if they have it in their heart and they know that they can be prosecuted at any time. So please, 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 right. you know, um, um, let's, let's look, we've been trying everything else. Let's try mandatory constant testing and see what happens. Absolutely. I'm with you. hundred percent. All right, Colin, thank you so much as always, buddy. You said your new website is cracking eggshells.com. Well, that's, it goes to the original well, cracking. The, no. Yeah, but the it's, it's, it's easier. It's easier to tell people that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cracking eggshells. Yeah. Yes. Cracking eggshells.com. Okay, great. So check it out, everyone. I saw people blessings. asking in the chat. All right, Colin, thank you very much, buddy. I appreciate you. You're welcome. And blessings right. to you, Zach, and keep up what you're doing, brother. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. God bless you, brother. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Nate, before we end uh, the show tonight, let me just say, first of all, thank you to Kitsko, who said, I gave you all a great idea when you were talking to Clay Clark. One hour a day for federal seats, half day state seats, 15 minutes a day for local city, county. The time is per party divided by the number of maybe seats that are available. I, I, I think they have, at last of it got cut off. And then Rain said, Zach, as soon as you get a chance, please read the tweet I tagged you in. The time is here for the vaping industry. Thank you. I will definitely check it out after this. And then Low Country Brooklyn said, the new Hanover GOP at last year's convention refused to let our motion pass. Uh, it was to rid the party of anyone found to have sought or received endorsement by communist-backed organizations. I can't. <laughs> it's so crazy. You know, having grown up uh, during the Cold War and having kind of seen – the way that things have developed. I mean, it's just insane to think that they have been able to push through these uh, efforts to get communists into government. So, Nate, I think a lot of people had high hopes for the Durham investigation. Uh, a long time ago, I said if the report comes out under the Joe Biden administration, it's probably just going to be a report. And we're not going to get anything else. Um, yeah. And obviously it came out. Um, any, um, you know, any major thoughts from the report uh, or any uh, conclusions that you've reached as a result of the way that it ended? Well, I guess, uh, you know, for me, um, all of these investigations that are done that do not result in uh, somebody going to jail, uh, I have to wonder why we spent three years worth of money and probably billions of dollars doing it. And I would say that uh, for for somebody to do that, um, there's probably some fraud, waste, and abuse going on. Um, you know, I think that largely we have a major problem with the way that the IG systems work, uh, the way whistleblowing works. Uh, whistleblowers aren't protected. You know, they may claim under the law that they, you know, that they have some protection. But the reality is, is I'm a perfect example of how, you know, whistleblower laws don't protect whistleblowers. And whistleblowers are extremely important, especially in, in regards to um, when you're dealing with classified information, because there's very little oversight. And they're the only ones that can really reveal. And, and that's not just classified in terms of like the classification categories, but also stuff that's caveated under, you know, law enforcement only standards and things like that. So. I think we need to re, you know, we need a, a, a you know, essentially a adversarial, um, you know, organization uh, that monitors and not and not just not just investigates, but also has prosecutorial power Amen. to go after Amen. those that are corrupt within the federal government that have uh, that that are typically the ones with prosecutor prosecutorial power. Um, so we like in, like internal sort of affairs, happen. internal affairs for the federal government. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But 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 if it is an if it is if it's something like internal affairs, they can't be getting paid by the same source. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. honestly, 
like so so it, it needs to be it needs to be um and it needs to be it can be under the president but it cannot be under the department of justice it's got to be like yeah you know u.s yeah. treasury has their own law enforcement right they've got secret service secret service could be used in in that sort of capacity then you you also would need um a, an indictment arm right you know and so they would need to have their own separate system for in Indicting a public official that has you know become corrupt, mm -hmm. and they should not be, and, and they should never be able to cooperate with each other because there needs to be that that adversarial relationship uh, between them. They should be afraid of each other, you know. Honestly, uh, until we have something like that, it, then nothing's going to change. Um, and and I think that, uh, like, say, like if a, if the uh, is an IG, for example, if they you know find something wrong, then and they make a referral instead of making a referral to the FBI if they're investigating the FBI uh, they should be making their referral to an adversarial uh investigative arm and yep. alleged and in and, and uh, indictment arm that's a great idea tutorial. yeah so, so um i think we could probably work those things out you know in, you know in a committee and certainly the congress could pass laws to you know to make those changes because they they're the ones that write the laws and uh and and they can they can simply write the laws and say you're going to abide by them, or we or we're defunding you. You know, I am 100% for defunding. Uh, you know, Congress using the power of the purse to defund agencies that do not cooperate with oversight. Mm -hmm. uh, if uh, you know, if the director of the FBI doesn't want to give a document uh, to the Congress, and the Congress has asked for and subpoenaed that document, well, then guess what? You know, then uh, you know what? We're cutting off your money, and so you're going to fire everybody. Because we're no longer going to uh, continue going down this road of supporting an agency that is essentially acting rogue. The the Congress, their their duty is to the taxpayer to ensure that the money that is being collected is being spent, uh, you know, in a way that is not violating the rights of citizens. And if they are continuing to fund these agencies that are willfully, um, you know, violating the rights of citizens, then quite frankly. Uh, those congressmen who are voting for that need to be arrested because they're violating their oath. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these are the kinds of things that I, I think we have to get back to, uh, you know, the constitution and, uh, and ensuring that the constitution is being followed. Uh, and I, I do think that a means test, uh, at least on that one issue, I think, you know, that we need to make sure, you know, that, that somebody is, um, you know, competent enough to pass a basic test on basic civics and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the constitution so Amen. Um, you know final final thoughts i would say that uh look there there are people like myself uh that are running that are not part of the corrupt system of government uh, i wish i could say that they all go to congress and they stay that way but i think we've all seen um far too often you know people get into government maybe we we have high hopes for them they get there and they fail uh, or they get corrupted um, and, and so uh, I want people to support me and I want people to believe that I am not going to get corrupted and I'm not going to fail. Um, but I want to make something very clear. Um, this country is a country that, uh, you know, is founded on godly principles. Our laws were built and designed, uh, you know, for a people who uh, have morality and have religion. Uh, this was what uh, George Washington said in his, um, you know, in his farewell address as president. We cannot, as a nation, continue down this road of godlessness. It will not, it will, it will, there's nothing that we can do uh, that will fix our nation without God's help. 
we need God's help. And so I'm asking for people to pray on the next uh, uh, National Day of Prayer, which will fall right before the primary elections. I am pleading with people to please pray, to fast, to repent. Even if you don't, even if you don't feel like you've done anything wrong, you can you can repent on behalf of your nation. And our nation has done some pretty bad, terrible things. Even though we've done a lot of great things too. And I think it's, um, you know, I think we are at a stage where uh, we're under the judgment of God. And so I'm asking for people to please pray and seek God, seek his face and repent on behalf of our nation and ask God to, you know, to help those that are, are going to be righteous to get elected. Because we know from scripture, it talks about that when there are evil men who are in power, uh, that the people suffer. But when you have righteous, uh, you know, leaders, the people rejoice. And uh, and so I'm praying and hoping that, you know, uh, not only that we will have righteous leaders, that, but that God will help me to be a righteous leader. And so I'm also asking for people to continue uh, to please uh, pray for me and my family. Uh, pray that God will help me to continually submit to him and not give in to temptation and uh, not give in to that temptation to strive and start trying to do it on my own strength. Uh, that, I would say, is probably the hardest thing because, um, you know, I, I see my opponent, you know, he'll raise a bunch of money. Uh, and and I won't have that, you know, that or he'll get an endorsement and I won't have that. And it's and so that temptation is there to go try to strive for that. But when I started doing this, God made it clear to me. I heard him tell me, Nate, do not strive. Depend on me. And so um, with that, uh, you know, those that feel called to donate to me, uh, please do. Those that do not feel called to donate to me, don't do it. Um, but I am asking that everybody pray for me that I do God's will. And that that's it. I hope I get elected. I believe that I'm the right guy for West Virginia. Um, I know that I've been called to run and uh, and I hope that I'm not running, you know, for some reason other than winning, uh, because I am putting all of my heart and my my energy and my effort and my own money even into this and am, am fighting uh, for our country uh, because I believe that it's worth fighting for. Amen. So I want to thank everybody on the show and uh, just God bless you all. Um, I love coming on. Uh, on your show, uh, you know, even more than some of the others, because we have history. Mm -hmm. uh, we're friends. Um, you know, I consider you a friend, and and also too, uh, you know, your your the people that follow you on your show are, are some of the greatest people. Um, I mean, some of the best support that I've come you know, that I've gotten has come from you know uh, from the people that uh, follow you on the show, and I think it's because we have history too. Yep. You know, uh, they've seen me on here many many times. So God bless you all. And uh, and know that, uh, you know, I'm lifting you guys up in prayer because what Zach is doing here, you know, and getting the word out and making sure that people are informed and bringing on guests and stuff. Uh, it's not easy. And uh, just like me, you know, I have to be careful of temptation. Uh, you know, people who are doing shows, uh, they also, you know, have to be careful of temptation because sometimes they got to talk about a topic that maybe, you know, people don't want to hear about or maybe they got to, uh, you know, maybe they get an offer for, you know, some money, you know, this whole thing about the cancel culture and everything. Uh, I think a lot of people sold out uh, mm -hmm. because they didn't lose the monetization that they had through Google and, and all of that. And so, um, you know, but Zach, you've been a, a, a true patriot, you know, you, you lost a lot, you know, when they, they went through the great purge and, uh, but I know that God is going to, you know, he's, he's restoring everything and uh, he's going to do that, you know, in both of our lives. So Amen. I'll end it with that.
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, as always, Nate. You are a true friend, and I'm so glad every time you get a chance to stop by. Uh, Thank you to everybody out there in the audience for hanging out with us, and thank you, Nate, of course, for doing the overtime. Uh, Let me just say thank you on the Foxhole to FilterDog1, who said boom, Sean Joe dropped a cookie, Vader369, Brofist, Incorruptible Guardian dropping a cookie, and then EO2Dave dropping a can. So let me go ahead and pass out these gold pills and... We will see you guys tomorrow at 9 p.m. I'll be back with my special guest. Hold on. I just need to look it up real quick because it's Don Jeffries, my friend Don Jeffries, the author who has written a number of books about uh, the suspicious Clinton body count. He's got a new book coming out. We're going to be talking about that. Nate, much love to you. God bless you. Maybe I should read that book. Oh, you should. <laughs> I think you should. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure I was probably on the list at one <laughs> Well, God is safeguarding you through this journey, yeah. and uh, I truly think that we're going to see you in Washington, D.C. So thank you again, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. God luck. God bless. We'll see you.